This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. So we got some crazy news this morning. Apparently, Ukraine sent a drone to kill Vladimir Putin. Fortunately, he was not there. He did not die, except that's the narrative coming out of the Kremlin. We don't actually know what really happened. There is the fog of war. And many people are saying either this was a false flag attack on the Kremlin so that there would be some kind of justification for escalation or an attempt to rally public support in Russia for the war in Ukraine, or Ukraine actually did make a crude attempt at taking out Vladimir Putin. Either way, you can expect some kind of escalation. And there are many people who are saying, oh, no, this is it. This is World War Three. And I'm kind of like, I don't know if this is it. But an attack on the Kremlin is fairly serious. And if it wasn't really an attack on the, on the Kremlin, they're going to act like it was. So still fairly serious. But we'll talk about that. We got some news as it pertains to uh, Anheuser-Busch. Apparently, they've begun giving out free Bud Light to distributors in desperation. Wow. I did not think the boycott would be so effective they'd start giving the beer away desperately because nobody's buying it. But this is where we are right now. And then um, I, I guess because, you know, I'm trying to give you a, a black pill sandwich. It's like we got really bad news on war. And there's some good news. You know, boycott's working. Here's the bad news again. More banks are collapsing. So, uh, you know, how you doing? I hope you guys have uh, taken precautions and co consulted with a fine financial advisor as First Republic Bank was seized by the U.S. government, sold up to J.P. Morgan. And now more banks are starting to fall. We'll see how this one plays out. And head over to TimCast.com. Click that Join Us button to become a member. Join the Discord server to talk with like-minded individuals 24-7, share your thoughts and ideas, and even submit questions to call into our members-only uncensored show Monday through Thursday at about 10, 10 p.m. Eastern. We put the show up on the front page of the website live and, of course, archived. And we're going to have one of these shows tonight. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So support our work directly by becoming a member, and you can check out that Uncensored show. Smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Joining us tonight to talk about all of this and more is James Rosen. Thank you. Who are you, sir? <laughs> oh, identify yourself. Yes. Yes. Oh, I, I have my ID somewhere here. I, uh, James Rosen, Chief White House Correspondent for Newsmax and author most recently of Scalia, Rise to Greatness. 1936 to 1986, volume one of a two-volume biography of Antonin Scalia. Is there a website URL or something for people to find the book? Uh, you can just go to my Twitter feed, at James Rosen TV. You'll find everything you need there. And I think, um, I, I don't know, what, what I most have known you for is because 10 years ago, you were illegally, and I'm assuming literally and codified as illegal or adjudicated as illegal, but in our, our view and all the activists, spied on and targeted by the Obama administration for literally doing journalism. And it was shockingly corrupt. So this story was, was, was huge in the activist circles and the freedom of information circles. Strangely, now many of these left-leaning individuals have abandoned those principles, but, but that was you targeted by Obama. So yeah, uh, this, we're actually coming up on the 10th anniversary of when this all first came to light. Uh, it was May 20, 2013. Um, but, it, but the actual surveillance that you're talking about had happened earlier. 
um, how to how to how to make this brief. I, I was a reporter for Fox News at the time. I was covering the State Department, and I did a series of reports relating to different fun- facets of North Korea, their nuclear program, uh, how they intended to respond to uh, various actions by the United States vis-a-vis their nuclear program, and also um, information relating to the succession plan that resulted in Kim Jong Un. Uh, taking power in North Korea. And uh, that reporting at the time for Fox News uh, even um, was able to, uh, to expose the fact that uh, the, uh, the mission of North Korea at the United Nations in New York was um, sending out uh, points, sort of talking points about the son, Kim Jong-un, who was only dimly known at that time, that were to be absorbed and internalized by all North Korean personnel diplomatic personnel around the world. Um, Eventually, the Obama administration, concerned about my reporting, um, launched a national security leak investigation. And they zeroed in on someone whom they identified as a source for me. Uh, And ultimately, to avoid the, 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 the lengthy and debilitating costs of a trial, that person stood up in open court Uh, and pleaded guilty to providing national defense information to James Rosen of Fox News. I have never identified whether this person was a a source of mine or not, because I don't think that's an appropriate business for reporters. But but they called you a co-conspirator, didn't they? Yes, and so it was was later uh, disclosed that uh, in order to have access to all of my Gmails, uh, with which, which I use to communicate with sources uh, and to the phone records pertaining to 20 different phone lines associated with me, including even the phone records of my parents on Staten Island at the time. Wow. Um, an FBI agent swore out a sworn statement, an affidavit, for a search warrant application for a federal judge to approve. And in that uh, document, uh, this FBI agent uh, attested that... Uh, um, given his experience, James Rosen is running his sources like an intelligence officer, which was almost like a, a, a professional compliment of sorts. But they, uh, they designated me in that document as a criminal co-conspirator in a violation of the Espionage Act. And it was the first time that's ever been applied to any reporter. Uh, let's Just by way of context, Neil Sheehan, now deceased, who was the New York Times reporter who in 1971 broke the Pentagon Papers, which was 7,000 pages of classified documents, an internal Defense Department study tracing the arc of American involvement in Vietnam. Not even the Nixon administration designated Neil Sheehan as a criminal co-conspirator in a violation of the Espionage Act. How did this resolve itself? Uh, President Obama himself at a speech at National Defense University on counterterrorism at the time uh, proclaimed himself trouble. Uh, by the notion of working reporters being criminalized for doing their jobs. And uh, to get to the bottom of how this possibly could have happened, this novel legal designation that was applied in a secret search warrant application filed by an FBI officer and approved by a federal judge so they could gain access to all of those records, uh, to get to the bottom of how that happened, President Obama, in what passed for accountability at the time, appointed to investigate the whole thing, well, the person who had actually approved the search warrant and that novel designation, which was Attorney General Eric Holder. Wow. I'll tell you quickly um, another facet to this story. The, the Washington Post broke the story on May 20, 2013, 
that uh, the FBI and the State Department had been spying on James Rosen of Fox News, uh, including monitoring my, my, uh, my whereabouts, uh, examining where and when I, I, I used my swipe badge at the State Department, all the, the phone records that we've talked about, the Gmails. That was May 20 of 2013. As it happened, Attorney General Holder, who quickly acknowledged that he was responsible for this extraordinary legal step that the United States government had never taken before, designating a working reporter as a criminal co-conspirator for doing his job. Uh, five days earlier, on May 15 of 2013, Attorney General Holder was testifying before the House Judiciary Committee, and he was asked about the potential prosecution of a member of the news media for the unauthorized disclosure of classified information. And I'm paraphrasing, but pretty closely. He said, in terms of the potential prosecution of a member of the news media for the unauthorized disclosure of classified information, which is something that goes on, by the way, every day in Washington. Bob Woodward is famous for having walked off White House grounds with classified maps. They're doing it to Trump right now all day, every day. Okay, lots of classified information gets published. But Holder said, in terms of the potential prosecution of a member of the news media for the unauthorized disclosure of classified information, that's not something I've ever heard of, been involved in, or would think would be wise policy. And five days later, the, the Post broke the story of what was done to me. So, so you're saying they're liars. So I'm it's telling shocking. you that uh, the majority staff of the House Judiciary Committee at the time, which was Republican, later issued a, f- a formal report uh, concluding that Attorney General Holder's testimony on that occasion had been false and misleading. Shock of shocks, the D.C. bar did not rise up to immediately begin uh, investigating whether the attorney general should keep his law license. He was asked by Jonathan Capehart of MSNBC towards the end of his tenure what his biggest regret from his time as attorney general was. And he said, uh, oh, the thing involving, um, what's his name, the Fox reporter, Rosen, you know, with this studied sort of nonchalance. Um, That was one episode. Well, I think that breaks down who you are. Yeah, sure. There's more. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll yeah. get into all that. We also, uh, no shame is tonight. We have Hannah Claire Brimlow hanging out. Hi, I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. I'm really looking forward to tonight. Me too, because I'm back. Yeah, you are back. What's happening? We have the same hair. Someone asked if I was Ian Crossland with straight hair. Did you tell them no? Of course not. I there's, think you take care of your hair only. more than he does. Oh. Man, I was just in Texas. I did the Alex Stein show. I was on with Sarah Gonzalez at The Blaze. If you guys didn't see it, you're going to want to check it out. Alex Stein is a wild, wild man. And it gave me a new lease on life, a new perspective, realizing that, you know, Twitter isn't everything and that maybe your family is more important than the TV. But uh, and anyway, you were talking about music before the show, too, talking about the Beatles. James Rosen, the most dedicated Beatles fan on earth, I didn't know. <laughs> That's until right. About 20 minutes ago. It's breaking well, news maybe, here at Tim Cast. Maybe we'll just... Talk about the Beatles. Maybe. But, Maybe uh, we'll sing Ian, a little song. Ian's back. Good to see you, Tim. Yeah. And thanks for that coffee yesterday. It was delicious. Yeah, the uh, Roberto Jr. Oh, my gosh. Got a it's nutty, really nutty. Yeah. It's bright. It's a, it's a light roast. I'm going to have some it. more tomorrow. I'm very much enjoying we it. We also have to my right, Serge Duprea. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah. Let's get started. All right. So here's the... Uh, uh-oh. What was that? Here's the first story we got from the Washington Post. Ukraine denies Kremlin's claim of drone assassination attempt on Putin. Now, we have this video that was uh, posted by the Times on YouTube. I'm going to play the clip for you. I don't think there's any audio. And uh, you just see a uh, weird little object fly in and then blow up. And that's it. So it exploded over the building. And uh, I guess what happened was they, they destroyed it. Before, I mean, you're not going to get a drone into the Kremlin. I mean, they've got air defenses. According to the Washington Post, they say Russia on Wednesday accused Ukraine of staging a drone attack intending, intended to kill Vladimir Putin in the Kremlin. 
an incendiary allegation that was forcefully denied by Ukrainian officials, some of whom warned it could be a pretext for Russia to escalate the war. It is. It absolutely is. Whether or not it's a false flag, whether or not Ukraine actually did it, there's video. They claimed it happened. And that's what you're going to see. Some kind of escalation, some kind of justification. Perhaps it's Vladimir Putin trying to rally public support in his country to for the ongoing war or because he wants to turn the heat up and use more advanced weapons or something like that. And he needs some kind of justification. Or maybe Ukraine just tried to do it. Maybe maybe it, it could be an insurgent faction. It could be a group of Ukraine. Who knows? But I wouldn't put it past them. I do kind of think this was crude and poorly done. So it's probably, I don't know, I'd assume more was a false flag. Yeah, first I heard there were two drones and that they were brought down by Russian uh, like countermeasures. And so that was the drone actually coming down as a result of the Russian interference so that but, are, but but I don't know if that was true or not either. I mean, that's it's all what the fog Kremlin of war. Said. They released a statement saying it was two unmanned aerial uh, two drones apparatuses, and they also said, you know, we have uh, May 9th, which is our victory day. We we celebrate the end the, or when Germany fell to the Soviet Union, and so this is lining up on sort of to be an attack on our our, our national pride. Basically, this is this is basically the White House. It's like the Russian version of the White mm -hmm. House. Washington Post says it's the working residence of Vladimir Putin. But to, to fly a drone, I mean, the explosion was very small compared to the building. Just to aim a thing into the top of the Kremlin, I don't see how that would get Putin. Maybe they knew where they were headed and they were trying to go right into his office. I mean, what they kind said of, what kind of drone wasn't was even it? there. They said that he, this he wasn't even there. Mm -hmm. What kind of drone was it is the question. Was it a small, you know, commercial consumer drone or something? Or what? Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com carlson. That's carshield.com carlson. Was it? you know, an American military style Reaper or whatever. Yeah, was it loaded with explosives or was that just the machine itself being blown apart? Yo, I warned about this 10 years ago. This is crazy to see happen. I was, uh, I was doing research in 2011 on drone stuff. And when I, it was about 2014, I think, I actually went to the, um, what is it? The Northwestern Drone Coalition. A group of uh, universities were working with the government and news organizations to figure out what are we doing about this new technology and when I went and met with these university people, I outright told them your biggest concern is probably security because someone's going to take one of these things, they're going to arm it, and they're going to fly it straight into a city, and there is nothing you can do at that point. At that point, your question is, where does it blow up? Mm -hmm. Not if it will. And swarm technology now, is the next level. Right. Now now we're seeing in, in, in Ukraine these small commercial-style drones and military ones, but that are small, carrying explosives and payloads swarming and blah, 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 just peppering targets and stuff like that.
You'll need like a laser defense system where like there's a pylon that if there's like 10,000 drones all coming, that the thing will like spark out 10,000 shocks and hit them all at once and knock them all down. I don't think you can't stop them individually. It's not going to be able to move fast enough. If they did some kind of laser defense system, I think that could work. So uh, you would need a high powered laser, but it's not going to be able to. Well, it, it could theoretically move fast enough, but to transfer enough energy from the from the laser to the drone to disable it might take more than than just a second. You would need huge amounts of energy for that. It would it would point at it, hold for about a second and probably take it out of the sky instantly, scramble it up, heat it up, overheat it. But if there's 10,000 of these drones or even a few hundred of them, this laser is not going to be able to stop all of them. What vibe did you get, James, about this whole thing? Uh, There's so much that we don't know. And our primary source of information about it, we have to remember, is the Kremlin, right? So even the video itself, it's intriguing to me that we're being allowed to see it. Why would um, the Russians release video of what they're claiming was almost a successful attack on the Kremlin, right? It benefits them. Well, maybe... um, Um, so be that as it may, first, our only source of information is a very unreliable one. Okay. Um, as to the question of whether this could be the pretext for an escalation, whether it was a false flag or a genuine Ukrainian attack, the Russians haven't shown throughout this entire, uh, conflict that they need any particular pretext to escalate the whole, the war itself is an enormous escalation, right? Um, there was no conflict. So I don't think they particularly need any any staged events or even a real event to, to claim as a justification for, for escalation. And the fact is too, that the, the Russian military throughout this conflict has been so shockingly ineffective that um, I'm not sure that what, what escalations they can even successfully mount beyond the obvious one that we all worry about, which is the introduction of some kind of nuclear conventional or tactical convention or 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 uh, or genuine nuke sized nuclear escalation. I don't think they're going to go there. And so um, uh, the one thing I would say about this is it brings up this this posture of the United States throughout this conflict, which is that we are not encouraging or enabling the Ukrainian armed forces to launch attacks inside Crimea or Russia itself. And the question is, why not? Wouldn't the war be uh, over much more swiftly if uh, Vladimir Putin and the ruling class in Russia were made to pay those kinds of prices, the very prices the Ukrainians themselves are paying? They want to avoid total war. Uh, They're seeking a limited war in eastern Ukraine. They don't want Putin to get killed. They don't want Zelensky to get killed because then it's Joe Biden's on the line. So I think this is I honestly think this is a way for the Russians to establish grievances in the global community and be like, see, now we have a little bit of justification if we do decide to go after Zelensky. So Zelensky, you better run. And he's like in Finland right now or something. And he decided to stay. I think he's uh, he's up in the, you know, some Nordic country. I just want to say that if this really was a false flag, it is the saddest and most pathetic we've seen. I mean, you've got the, the, the burning of the Reichstag, which many people believe was a false flag to justify expansion of war and things like that. And that was literally burning the whole thing to the ground. This is like a little explosion overhead that didn't do much damage at all. And Putin wasn't even there. So I, I'm not I'm not sure what they get out of this, really. And so, uh, some people I already seen the Super Chat are pointing out that there's no way those drones flew f- 400, 500 kilometers to make it there. So what what is this? They're like high altitude reconnaissance drones, maybe. They just got brought down by some sort of magnetic... We're, we're going mean, to have to... I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead no, Hannah Claire. Go. Um, we're just going to have to acclimate ourselves to the reality that we're not going to learn 
all that we would wish to learn about this event. Uh, but just to your point before about, uh, you know, the reason why the U.S. is just not encouraging or enabling uh, Ukrainian armed forces to, to strike inside Russian territory is because they fear World War III. But it just seems to me you're already in a kind of a proxy war to begin with, right? Um, and um, it's a strange way to pursue war making. Uh, if your every uh, decision is going to be governed by fear of the opponent escalating the conflict. Aren't they enabling, uh, isn't the U.S. enabling by funding this war, though? I mean, we send materials and supplies to Ukraine. We are Ukraine. the war. So we are saying, oh, we're not enabling it, but we are. Well, in other words, uh, I don't know whether the particular weapon systems that we've been supplying would enable uh, the Ukrainian armed forces to to do damage inside territorial Russia. Um, pr probably there's a suite of weapon systems we could supply that would guarantee the ability of the Ukrainians to uh, to to pursue war on Russian targets. But, uh, but again, it's sort of an ambiguous line. We're saying we're not sure it could, but they, and, they and, theoretically and, could. But 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 they don't need. I agree with you. They don't need full scale warfare weapons from us to engage in conflict on Russian territory, in Russian territory. In fact, that would probably be the least effective thing to do. The most effective thing to do is what that lady did when she brought the statue to that blogger and blew him up. Like insurgency style, targeted guerrilla warfare, mm -hmm. disrupting the economy. I mean, they're not gonna, there, there's nothing they're gonna have that's gonna be able to do enough damage to, a, to yeah. these areas. And if they did, open strike on a Russian city would be a total annihilation of every Ukrainian major city by the Russian Air Force. It would just overnight, it would just be total war. The entire country would be leveled to the ground if they started attacking Russian cities. This, this is the crazy thing to me about this whole thing. The, the, the restraint you see in war makes no sense. Like, you, you, Ukraine could easily have more of these assassinations with the with a statue. For, you, you guys know about that story? Yeah, first for, I've heard of it. For those that don't know, there was this, uh, I guess he was, he was a, vlog, a vlogger. He was a guy who would make, you know, he would propagandize in favor of Russia. And he was given a, a bust of himself and it exploded, killing him and injuring several others. These are the kinds of attacks taking out key targets that are, are easier and more effective in terms of destabilizing, you know, uh, the and they country. instill terror, Main, right? Because exactly. the, the populace wants to know, well, where's the next place that could be struck and stricken? But, but, but what you were saying, Ian, was that if Ukrainians did use U.S. granted or NATO weapon granted, uh, granted weapons of war on a Russian city, Russia would retaliate with full scale airstrikes. My question is, why, why don't they do it now? Because they want to own the country. I, I don't think that I think they really want trade out of this. They want to be a richer country after this war is over than before it started. So they're trying to take eastern Ukrainians to the Donbass, run those freeways down to Crimea and just start shipping steel out into the Mediterranean. And I do I do want to stress there are U.S. boots on the ground. That was confirmed in the in the leaks that came out a while ago. Plus, there's there's several other European countries that have boots on the ground. And Hannah Claire's point is is true, which is what distinction are you really making? When, um, on the one hand, you're saying, well, we, we, we are uh, proceeding very carefully up the es each step up the escalatory ladder so as not to trigger a, a, you know, an unwelcome escalation from Mr. Putin. But, you know, five minutes later in the same news conference, you're saying our the, 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 the weapons and the training that we're providing are killing Russian soldiers, are causing all these extraordinary casualties that the Russians are, are absorbing. So, in essence, you're <clears throat> boasting about the very thing that you're claiming not to be doing. But realistically, I think, you know, utilitarianly, they care a lot less about losing humans than they do about losing infrastructure. You blow up buildings, that's going to piss them off a lot more than killing a bunch of dudes. 
But again, at what point should the should the West, the entire Western alliance be governed by fear of whether uh, this particular leader is going to go nuclear? You know, does he not also subscribe to MAD, to mutually assured destruction, which governed relations between the U.S. and the Soviet Union for 50 years? I think that's fake. What's fake? Mutually assured destruction, in my opinion, is uh, completely overhyped and confused by the average person. For some, because people tend to simplify things and because their views are based off of pop culture and not actual history, they think things like, you know, uh, gunshots. They don't know what they really sound like. They think, uh, you know, it's, it's like that movie Last Action Hero. Remember that with yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger Arnold? and Jamie he, Lee Curtis. He shoots the taxi in the Wait, real. No, that's he, true lies, he, he lives in the movie, but then he comes to the real world and he shoots the car, but nothing happens because in movies, you shoot a car, it explodes right. like for no reason. And so what you have with mutually assured destruction is this idea based on intercontinental ballistic missiles that if Russia were to nuke a U.S. city, we would fire a nuke in return in retaliation. And then the whole world just blows itself up. I don't believe that's true. And I believe that's a myth. And I also believe. Is it, it a myth that there's a second strike capability? What do you, what do you mean? In other words. If we get nuked, we will launch nukes. Well, in other words, what you just identified as, you know, um, preposterous or whatever is the idea that if we are fired upon with a nuclear weapon, we will fire one back and then the whole world goes boom. Isn't it possible that we clip off the end of that, the whole world going boom? And there's, a, you know, do you believe just as a threshold matter that if we are attacked with a nuclear weapon, we have a second strike, what's called a second strike capability, the ability to launch the second nuclear strike and retaliate? We so there's so I think there's there's so much wrong with the presumption. First, there's that famous story of the uh, Russian submarine that w received word that a nuke had been launched. And the guy on this one, I guess, what did he do? He refused to launch it, is the story. Was that, was that what it was? Yeah, I'm going to pull his name up. Pull, pull that up and get us the story correct, because I, I, I could be getting it wrong. But even when it was like, they have attacked us, the nukes are heading towards us, he goes, I won't fire it. I won't do it. And so that was this this legend, legendary story or urban legend, whatever you want to call it, historical legend. Do you know yeah, the, it, basically he believed that there was an error, because a lot of Soviet tech at the time was not uh, was not as, you know. Are yeah. you sure that he believed it was an error? My understanding was that he refused to fire un even when ordered to. I it could be both, but from what I remember that that story that you're talking about, he was like on a, it was a, I think it was a sub he was on the sub yeah. I yeah. believe yeah, and he believed that it was like it was an error. It wasn't the actual it wasn't actually the beginning of a nuclear war. But yeah, there was right. a movie about this whole subject, Failsafe, yeah. where yeah. the American pilots have been given word that we've been attacked, and right. they they are reluctant to be the ones that actually. You know, but that's why you have command, you know, you have a chain of command and so on. But. His name was Vasily uh, Alexandrovich Arkhipov, and he, so, he refused to authorize the captain to fire nuclear torpedoes at what, the U.S. What Navy. year was that? Uh, wow, I'm surprised. I'm surprised it's not there. So there, there is a... Um, 1947? I think, I, I, I think it was a British MP or someone in Europe said, you would be insane to sacrifice London or New York for you know, uh, uh, Warsaw or something that if, if Vladimir Putin were to use, and especially Kiev, if Vladimir Putin were to use intercontinental ballistic missiles, we're talking multiple independently targeted reentry vehicles with 12 warheads peppering every major city in Ukraine. I do not believe anyone in the West would fire upon Russia with nuclear weapons. And if Vladimir Putin were to actually fire an intercontinental ballistic missile at Poland, I do not believe the West would launch nuclear ICBMs in retaliation at Russia. As they are legally required to, to come to They're the defense of that. Re required to come to the defense does not yeah, mean, mean firing nukes uh, at civilian uh, targets. So, so but but my, why is MAD, so, so MAD, is, MAD is, a, um, is a fallacy or is a, is a 
popular more, more, delusion because why? well i think it's more complicated than people think they think that if russia were to launch a nuke then like in that movie was it war games with matthew broderick yeah. all the nukes go flying in the air right. and i just don't think that's real reality because uh, the reality of of uh strategy and war is not that some dude sitting at a computer and he's like, well, a nuke was fired, better fire ours. But I will say if it was World War II, if the Japanese had had nuclear bombs, that they probably would have dropped them back on the United States after Nagasaki. Perhaps, but those were gravity bombs. So the very first nuclear weapons were dropped out of bombers. And after we knew the capabilities, the Germans knew the capabilities of nuclear bombs. And there was a rush to, to weaponize this. And we got there first. The United States, knowing the capability of a gravity bomb, with seeing a, a, a bomber with with you know fighters on its wing, they, they'd be like, "Stop that bomber!" And we would definitely be prepared for something like that. But we shouldn't uh, allow geography, I think, to uh, govern our our uh, assessments in this area. So that if if it's simply the fact that uh, the United States and Russia are so far away from each other, uh, and it would require intercontinental ballistic missiles for this kind of exchange to occur. Uh, let's shrink our example to India and Pakistan, okay, which, you know, are not as far away from each other and are both nuclear armed and which have a history of conflict with each mm. other, okay? Uh, do you believe that uh, mutually assured destruction theory uh, obtains in, 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 that re in that theater? We need, we need to break down what it really means in that there is the reality that if, if Vladimir Putin fired an ICBM a, a, a MERV, for nuclear instance, armed nuclear, a nuclear armed, multiple independently targeted reentry vehicle with 12 warheads. It goes up into the air, ejects 12 warheads to pepper the eastern seaboard of the United States. The United States would absolutely fire in retaliation. OK, but that is an oversimplification of what nuclear war likely will be. So in your in your example with India and Pakistan, we're not talking about a, you know, seven, eight thousand mile uh, launch of an ICM right. into space, which we all know is coming, and then be like, there it is, and we know it's heading for us. We can't stop it. Fire. These last few years have not been easy on our economy. And with tax season finally arriving, there will be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them and pocketing profits for themselves. America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-431-5684 and you'll be in touch with America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS's predatory tactics and put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Indian, what, what, I, what I think that the mistake is that when you talk about nuclear war, people only think one thing. An ICBM launching from a silo in the ground in, in, in Siberia or in Oklahoma and then flying through the air, when in reality, what's likely going to happen is Vladimir Putin, when he escalates to nuclear war, is going to take nuclear artillery, uh, art I'm sorry, artillery, and he's probably going to use lower yield gravity bombs, 100 kiloton, maybe even getting to the point of a megaton. These are much, much smaller these days and t attacking Ukraine to to win if he has to. No one in the West is going to retaliate with a nuclear strike on Russia if Russia uses nukes to win the war in Ukraine. However, our 
our our leaders in the present government, um, including the National Security Advisor at the White House, let's say Jake Sullivan, ha, uh, have have stated many times that uh, they have communicated to the Kremlin uh, through the channels they have, and they have them, um, that very very severe consequences would befall uh, Mr. Putin and his government if any kind of nuclear weapon were introduced into this conflict. And and that's not a U.S. retaliatory strike on Russia. Right. So what would you imagine would be our, our most severe we, uh, response? Sanctions. If, if Russia introduced, the most severe, I'd imagine, is a U.S. declaration of war. And uh, no, I mean, really could actually imagine taking place. Right. Yeah. I, I think there's a strong possibility that if Vladimir Putin were to use uh, tactical nuclear artillery or small lower yield uh, weapons, nuclear weapons in, 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 in Ukraine, that NATO would formally declare war. And the U.S. would enter the war and have a strong, probably generate a decent amount of public support if they come out and say, they just use nukes. We're not going to just the world will not be destroyed. We must stop this madman. And I, I think that's that's very likely. So Putin may be concerned that if he escalates that point, he gives a casus belli to the West to directly invade and, and, and engage. Right now, it's, it's relatively passive what the U.S. is doing. That being said, Putin is not playing a game to lose. And if pushed to that brink. I genuinely believe he will be like, well, it's either I lose now or I lose against NATO in a year. Fire the nukes. But we'll see. I don't know. One aspect of this is that his military is so depleted as a result of this uh, catastrophic I don't believe it. Misadventure. Yeah. Those leaks showed that the amount of casualties was substantially less than they'd been reporting. And what, what was it actually? But wasn't like? that supposed to have been doctored? Wasn't that the one part of the document that was supposed to have been so much altered? fog of war? I, I, perhaps, perhaps, but I, I just think it's fascinating this idea that Russia, which is a massive economy, would have would be losing to the only country that's become poorer since the fall of the Soviet Union. But they're not just fighting that country. They're obviously fighting a coalition that's supplying them and right. training them and so on. U.S. veterans but and volunteers. Look, you don't have to be a military analyst or um, or have military experience to, to, to uh, assess this conflict and to be able to discern accurately that it hasn't gone well for Russia. And that it, you know, what, what, what was the, I think, the operating premise of both the Russians and the West at the start of the conflict was that it wasn't going to last very long and that they would, if they right. had the gumption, if they had the nerve to launch this kind of violence, kinetic military violence in Europe, which had, hasn't seen this kind of thing since World War II, if he was willing to cross that line, he was going to have an easy time capturing Kiev um, and deposing the Zelensky government. Well, you know, Putin's problem was that he sat back and let NATO expand for decades and that was Russia's problem. And it's like only now they're willing to engage in military conflict. They've basically lost at this point. It's 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 the craziest thing to me that you would lose, you know, 50 percent of the conflicted territory and then decide to fight. It's like, well, you lost already, bro. Well, but also like, look they, at they already his... got your border with Estonia and Latvia. Now you're mad because of because of Ukraine and, the, and Gazprom. But also look at the reliance on the Wagner group. OK, which shouldn't be necessary for a world class military. 
Um, and who is the Wagner group? It, you know, they're plucking convicts out of prisons and right. throwing them there. And even the uh, after the the, the uh, call up order that went ha- went down in September, I think it was, uh, which met with some uh, extraordinary displays of resistance on the streets of Moscow and elsewhere. Um, you know, the reports are that, uh, and this is also verified by interception of uh, of signal communications between soldiers at the front and their families and so on, but. They are throwing even the the, the, the conscripts um, into battle with uh, without the sufficient gear, making them pay for their own helmets. They can't even feed them. Their their quartermastership alone has been an absolute catastrophe. We, we heard the same thing about Ukraine. That was that 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 guy last year or whatever who tried to volunteer and then said it was a disaster. People didn't even have guns, and they were like, "If you leave, we'll we'll shoot you or whatever." But we but we are we ought to be more surprised hearing it about the Russian military. Considering, considering, but I, you know, I think you do make the point. NATO is—it's basically Russia versus NATO, and Ukraine's being propped up by us. I want to jump to this story, and we'll pull this one into the culture war. Let's start with this from the Post Millennial: U.S. Army expected to miss recruitment goal again in 2023. Oh boy, I sure hope we don't actually enter World War III with Russia, considering we're not hitting our recruitment goals. I got it. Maybe there's something we can do to drum up support among young people and inspire them to be the heroes of tomorrow to stop the madman that is Vladimir Putin. Perhaps, I don't know, drag queens from from Fox News. U.S. Navy platformed drag queen influencer to attract youth to military and hiring crisis. You're supposed to inspire young, overly testosterone filled (laughs) dudes to go want to blow stuff up. I was to join say, the military, not so, okay. Tom Cruise their just gender. gave you the second Top Gun, and this is how you follow oh, up. Yeah, man. seriously, Top Gun, one of the best you know recruitment videos ever, the hero's journey. And I, I see this story, and you know my responses to it. I don't care if you want to be a drag queen, by all means, go ahead and do your thing. But it's a hobby. That's not something you sign up for to for military service to do. Yeah, it'd be like talking about how many girls you ran through or something, and be like, oh yeah, I got all. I, got, I slept with fifteen women last year. Join the army. <laughs> You'd be like me. Like, that doesn't get... I mean, I mean yeah, Maybe, maybe that would get guys to join. That, but. that probably would. It'd be like, really? Women, you know, dig guys in uniform, huh? This is like, you're you're not getting laid. You're you're going to a show to watch a, watch a man dress like a woman sing songs. I don't think that's a reason to join the Navy. Just, uh, you know, I see the photograph and, and all I can say is how far we've come from when <laughs> Bob Hope used to bring Raquel Welch over to Vietnam to entertain the troops, yeah. you know? And she seemed, I'm just going to say, I've seen photos and some films of that. It seems like she was well-received on those occasions. Why wouldn't they just stick with that formula? You know what I said when I saw this story? Everyone's complaining about it. And I was like, isn't the Navy notorious, like notoriously stereotyped for being gay? Like, like the whole village in people. The Navy. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the Navy. And then I'm just like, this is not at all surprising to me. But They're like, I, we'll just play to it. It'll be fine. But but in, in all seriousness, when we're seeing recruitment shortages, it is kind of alarming that they're like, I know what's going to make what's what's going to make young men want to sacrifice their lives for the United States. Drag queens. One less than one percent of the population. I think they're just trying to give drag queens work. You know, they're trying to say, like, we have the surplus of drag queens and they can do anything. They can recruit for the military and they can read to your kids. They can do it all. You should be excited to have a drag queen in your neighborhood. What they got to be doing is indoctrinate kids via video games. They got to give really awesome VR or uh, 
free video games, free download, make it they, so they, addictive and awesome, and they, then be like, join the military now. They had these video games. Yeah, America's but, Army. But was now one of them. imagine you get Call of Duty Six or whatever number they're on. And it's like the story starts and the guy's like, I was on a ship when Harpy Daniels did a performance. And then you're watching a drag queen and you're like, I, I don't I don't feel inspired to die. Like no. I don't to go to war to save my country. You know what? You know what? You know what the male power fantasy is more like? If they had a guy just with like Spider-Man, it'd probably be a lot better. <laughs> Literally have a guy just like Spider-Man and do a backflip would be better recruitment than a drag queen. This, like, this brings to mind uh, the statement of uh, Mike Huckabee when he was one of the candidates against Donald Trump in 2016, and they still were having l large debates with the whole field of candidates. And Huckabee said on that occasion something fairly close to this. The United States military is not a laboratory for social experimentation, mm -hmm. okay? It has one mission, which is to preserve and defend the national security and territorial sovereignty of the United States. And I, I, I think I would wait a long time if I waited for somebody in the Pentagon to explain to me how that photo comports with that mission. There, there needs to be congressional hearings and uh, dishonorable discharges or, or stripping of rank or something for the people who are responsible for this. You've got, you've already got the meme of the Russian, have you seen the Russian military ad? Yes. Where it's like this dude's all ripped and he jumps out of a plane and then lands, you know, in the snow and he puts the mask on, he's got the gun and it's like, you are going to be a hero in Russia. Then you get the American ads and it's like, I have two moms and I'm a drag queen. And it's like, <laughs> man, you know, look, they may not have the resources they may be having a hard time with the with you know they're using old tanks now and they're recycling old weapons, but we're gonna we, we're having a, a personnel problem. Yeah, we literally cannot get enough people to go to boot camp. Not just because of ads like this and and an apathy, but also because people don't qualify. There are more people turned away because they are overweight or they struggle with a mental health disorder, they have a drug use problem that do not qualify for the military. I mean, the DoD put out this report saying basically it's like. I want to say 200,000 people every year that qualify to join the military. And of those around less than 10% actually have an interest mm -hmm. in joining. I mean, it is a minuscule population who I really think we should just talk to and say, hey, did this commercial with a drag queen seem appealing to you? Like, where is the basic marketing study where they gather a bunch of people who successfully did the thing they wanted and say, w would these appeal to you if you had to do it again? Because so I don't in, think this would work. It's so profoundly offensive and it's not so much the drag queen thing, because I'm like, I don't care if people want to do that and have, you know, gay men's burlesque. I, it's America, man. You go live your life, do what you want to do. What's offensive is that they're advertising the Navy is a silly nonsense place to be of irresponsibility. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's like if, if, they made a, if they made a commercial and they were like, join the Navy so that you can hang out with your buddies and eat, be, you know, drink beer and watch the game, I'd be like, that's also, that's also bad. It's not for Granted, fun. this is worse, but. I mean, honestly, you want to dress in drag, fine, but not while you're in the service. You're in uniform there. Maybe on your that's, private that's, time, that's but not while thing. you're on duty. That's the other thing. There's photos of this dude protesting. And I'm like, is he, is he allowed to do that as a Navy serviceman protest holding up a sign for, for abortion? Look, we can, we, I think we all agree that this is not the answer to the recruitment problem, right? And so, you know, there, at a threshold level, we condemn those who, who thought that this somehow would be the answer to that problem. But if you really want to look at the actual root of the problem itself, 
um, it gets to what you said earlier, I think, which is you were talking about what's going to motivate a young person to join the military, which is an all-volunteer institution, uh, to potentially give up their lives, right? Give up their lives for what? Batman. For, for something much larger than themselves, right? It has to be something larger than themselves. And as we are, as a society, tearing down everything that the United States has always historically meant, okay, um, you're going to see fewer people want to lay down their lives for what remains of that definition of a country. Who wants to lay down their lives for this? Well, it's, it's this identity thing. The military is not about establishing personal identity. It's about giving up your personal identity for the group. Well, and I will say, the Surgeon General just came out with this report saying uh, we have an, the next public health crisis is loneliness and social isolation. Uh, the, do you know what branches of the military are successfully reaching their their quotas it's the marine corps it's nasa it's it's things that people feel like they are part of something bigger we can identify our problem and yet we don't apply it to the institution that apparently needs it most the military recruitment the air force struggles uh all reservists struggle the army struggles the navy struggles but yet something that has a really strong core identity the marines and again space force they are doing okay they're not doing great but they are making their quotas trump needs to get reelected and fire all of these people just strip them and boot them out you want to you want to know what you need to make you want you want a commercial right now you need some real propaganda here's what you do you make a video of uh, a guy in ukraine and a russian soldier is you know firing on some soldiers and then the guy like grabs a child and runs from an explosion and then gives the child to the mother who's crying and thanks him and he's like go 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 and then the guy turns around and runs into battle in slow motion and it's like be the hero join the army yeah but it's got to be like an invasion of alaska and it be like don't let it happen sure. here so anything 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 better than a guy dressing up like a woman and dancing you know like that, that, that's that no, no young man is being like, wow, that's why I want to go to a battlefield and die. Elephant in the room, man. When they discharged all these people out of the military during this COVID crisis, and it was like the most based hardcore dudes that were like, I'm not putting that. You cannot make me. I'm here to serve my country. Leave me alone. Let me do my job. And now they were just kicked out. Now they're just at men and women. And uh, what now? Now they're all pissed off the United States like they're like going to come back. I think this is us losing the war, right? <laughs> you know, like so that's, isn't this Sun, Sun Tzu says win the war before you start it, before fighting it. So uh, right now we have recruitment problems and the best they can come up with this. China's like looking at, you know, Xi Jinping's looking at his watch like don't invade Taiwan yet. Let's let them fester for a little bit. Oh, they're doing the drag queen thing. OK, now we're good. Yeah, once we miss military recruitment goals for the fifth year in a row, then then we'll move in. I mean, I feel like this is so obvious and it's happening uh, very publicly. America is such a culture, uh, exports its culture at such a high level that there's no way that this is not part of anyone's calculation wow. thinking, wow, they don't have a, a healthy population. Their young people are uh, intent, have higher rates of depression than anyone else. They are not... Uh, looking to join the military they are feeling isolated they are a weak country and therefore we know that ultimately if we can hold on long enough we can tip the scales in our favor like that's a very terrifying thought i'm wondering this is provocative mm -hmm. as they say. What, what's the chinese military looking like right now what how are their tanks? massive yeah i would imagine they have how's a great our commercial how's our border defense in alaska how, how's the canadian border defense on the border of alaska there because if the chinese decide to join this war right and canada has a very very small military and trudeau would just absolutely be deferential to china they would have no yeah they would have no choice they could roll into the capital into alberta i mean the american military would be on the ground but like doesn't russia border canada 
it's Russia all very close. Russia, yeah. Russia Alaska. From, from Alaska. From Alaska. From Sarah Palin's Sarah, house. Sarah Palin told us. And if yeah. Taiwan becomes a point of contention. She never actually said that, but said, you know, on Saturday Night yeah. Live. Uh, like, I thought it was in some New Yorker profile. No, no she said that uh, when it comes. So the actual context of what Sarah Palin said was to be vice president. She would be in a good position considering Alaska actually negotiates with Russia over the Bering Strait. Right. And in fact, from the westernmost part of Alaska, you can see Russia. So they're often dealing with trade negotiations as Russian ships are moving through the, these territories. And then Tina Fey went on Saturday Night Live and went, I can see Russia from my house. We, and we, then every Democrat was like, I can't believe Sarah Palin said that. But that was also true. Uh, George W. Bush gave a speech where he was like, who came up with this word? Because actually... Uh, is it Will Ferrell or one of the comedians? Yeah. He, he was the one who came up with strategy and right. George W. Bush was like, Got stuck with it. Yeah, he gave a good speech where he was like, ah, oh, too bad. I wish I'd come up with that one. I'm of the observation that we need to negotiate peace right now. And if that means concessions to the Russian army and giving them a piece of Ukraine, I if we don't and we escalate, the Chinese will invade Taiwan with Russia as their ally. So we're better off ending this thing with Russia so that China's afraid to go into Taiwan because they'll suffer the same kind of losses that the Russians suffered. What do you think about Taiwan? I'm not sure. I think an argument could be made either way along what the lines that, that Ian was just sketching out, which is to say, Ian's point is, if I understood it correctly just now, was if we secure a diplomatic resolution to this conflict right now, that makes it more difficult for China to launch an invasion of Taiwan. Um, whereas you could say that the, the greater... Um, demonstration of resistance that the West puts up in Ukraine will be more likely to convince China of the resistance they would face if they moved on Taiwan. Um, I think that it, if we produce too much resistance in Ukraine, that, that China will have no, eh, they'll have a choice, but they'll choose to join the war. If, if the United States continues to push, 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 the Chinese and the Russians, they're already building another economy. They're ready to take control of the, of the world right now. And if we don't end this, it's going to escalate into a multi-faction war. And then just like Hitler took Poland after Mussolini took North Africa, China will take Taiwan, just like Russia is trying to take Ukraine. Let, let me ask I you think it's inevitable. But it's better off if we just get China alone trying to act. Like pushing Russia just, and China together is insane. I'm just saying, get out of cities, homeschool your kids, get some chickens, start a, start a little garden because watching the drag queen navy thing i've kind of lost all faith in the u.s military's capabilities to be completely honest i think the resistance that's been shown to russia is enough to ch prove to china that there's going to be insane resistance in taiwan if some sort of military incursion i'm not so, so convinced keep, anymore keep it up in other words, is what you're saying i i i this like if you came to me and said do you think the united states would win i know Sorry, recruitment goals missed for what five years? Is that where I don't think it's I think they could, I think it's four. The United States could win four. a defensive war, but I mean, what's what's that? A bunch of d destroyed cities and dead armies? Like, I mean, you look at the crime, you look at the defecation in the, on the streets of of, the, of American cities. You look at the banking crisis; these banks are collapsing. I don't feel confident that if a war started, the U.S. would do anything successfully. I think it would just crumble like a like a house of cards. Let me ask a question. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. 
That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Should we regard that the Chinese communist state is foreordained to failure for the same reason that the Soviet Union failed, which is to say it is morally bankrupt at its core? Like that, that's why we are going to fail, because we are morally bankrupt? No, I'm saying, do, we, do you regard the, the Chinese enterprise, however strong they might seem in the moment, however much they build up their military, that ultimately the Chinese enterprise is foreordained to failure because it is morally bankrupt at its core? You know, well, it's a, it's a moot point because the United States is morally bankrupt at its core as well. So what, they both just fail? Perhaps the war ends up wiping everybody out. So, so you, are, you are engaging in what they call moral equivalence. You're saying the U.S. and China are equally morally bankrupt at their core. Yes. I think so, that, so I, but but I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand your point. I think the, the reason the Soviet Union failed is because it, they couldn't withstand the peace. We, we stayed at peace for too long. They were ready to do some crazy war, and we prevented it. But the I mean, Chinese I think are ready it, for war. I think it had to do with their, their economic system being a total failure. Yeah, and the Chinese their inability are the same way. To, but, but China uses capitalist mechanisms with the, the, a totalitarian communist party to controlling all of these things to have rapid expansion. And they've got a lot of people— and uh, they, what, what they'll do is they'll put the Communist Party and every major corporation to control it, but let it function to a certain degree. Give it capitalist free reign, but always make sure you've got your tendrils in it so it can't go outside of your control. Which is a Potemkin village. Any, any effort at economic liberalization without political, actual democratization is a Potemkin village, right? It's not, nobody believes the Chinese assessments as to their GDP rates, you know, right. nobody. Their um, property values are ridiculous. It's all fake. In other words, if you have uh, freedom until you reach the boundary of the Communist Party, then you don't really have freedom. And I don't care if you're calling that market reforms or whatever. But, but the, to the point of whether, you know, this moral equivalence, it brings to mind a favorite quote of mine from William F. Buckley Jr., who uh, used to say when in the 70s when people would say, oh, the, the CIA and the KGB are the same guys. You know, they just they wear different colored trench coats like in Spy v. Spy. But like they're they do the same things. And Buckley would say men who push old ladies uh, into the way of an onrushing bus uh, and men who push old ladies out of the way of an onrushing bus, uh, it seems to me ought not to be grouped together as men who go around pushing old ladies around. So what happened when the federal government went to that woman in Alaska's house because she looked like another woman on January 6th and they raided her home? I just, I, 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 I understand that China's operating these Uyghur concentration camps and doing very, very horrible things that we're not doing. But my, my view is, while China may be morally bankrupt to a substantially worse degree, the United States has nothing, has no leg to stand on. We've got a corrupt government that's been corrupt. It's been ex the, the country's been extracted for, for uh, its value, its labor being extracted for decades. They, you've got interest in the United States working with China to send our labor over there. You've got Joe Biden flying on Air Force Two with his son to do private equity deals with China. The United States at this point is a shell of whatever it may have may have been a hundred years ago. The federal government, for sure, but the states are power. Powerful, especially some and, of them. And, and many of the but states the are growth. aborting kids at nine months and giving and, and, and sterilizing children. But look at the growth of Timcast. Look at this extraordinary operation. In what other country would this have, have happened? I don't think it could have in any country other than the United States. But, but look, there, we, we have a, a modicum of influence and power compared to even CNN. And it's funny because people might right, be- but you just got started in relative terms. I mean, they've been around since 1980. Sure. You know? I, I mean, you look at a, a lot of the big networks and what happens? YouTube will suppress us every step of the way. And, and the, ta the, ta the tactic they have is 
You censor shows like ours at 49% and prop up shows like CNN at 51%. So in the long run, you fail and they succeed. They will absolutely make sure that what happens fits the corporate algorithmic structure, which is moral decay and a psychotic expansion of the woke cult. The United States may very well succeed in, in, in many regards. I'm, I'm, I'm not completely, uh, I don't think the United States will cease to exist. I think what's going to happen is if there is a large scale global war of some sort, we're not winning it. The petrodollar will fall. The, the uh, economic standing of the United States will be wiped out. We will lose our control on military bases in many other countries. Most of the military bases probably will collapse and, and fall into the control of the countries that they're in. And then the people who are smart enough to get out of cities and start taking care of themselves will probably succeed. And then we'll see a new generation of people in the United States building up, becoming economically resilient, starting businesses. There, It will not be like the U.S. just ceases to function. But as a global multi uh, unipolar world, it's done. China, we're now multipolar. It's now China, the U.S. Russia is clearly, uh, you know, either. I don't think Russia is going to fall. Russia is probably going to work with China. We may see some grand war, but I don't see how the U.S. actually is able to pull through considering what we're witnessing now internally and in our own military. Nobody wants to join. Young people are completely disaffected. Their brains are shattered by nonsense, garbage, social media, algorithmic crap. Like they actually believe Marxism makes sense because they don't know what they're talking about. You see these videos of young people saying the stupidest things you've ever heard. And you're like, man, uh, Greta Thunberg. I mean, she's not American, but she's outright saying kill 60 million people overnight when she says we must end fossil fuels now. We're not going to vet. It's like, OK, yeah, if you ended fossil fuels right now, like New York just banned natural gas. These people, their brains are broken. This is the They're completely broken. This is Absolutely. Yuri Besmanov talked a lot about this. They, they've been they've been wrapped up on this social media algorithmic garbage that tells them whatever whatever the algorithm promotes, that's what you must adhere to. So these young people see climate change as bad. Then you end up with politicians saying, tell me what to do so you'll vote for me. And they say, ban natural gas. And he goes, okay, no more gas stoves. Are you kidding? What, what, they, natural gas is a large component of how we generate electricity. How about we do nuclear power? No, these people are too moronic because of what they read on the internet to know nuclear power is clean and actually the best way to generate electricity. So I see in this country, the cities are corrupt. They're decaying. The federal government is corrupt. It's in decay. Our best chance, in my opinion, is probably Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis, maybe a Trump DeSantis ticket, but that's going to require a, a serious amount of force to go in and start arresting and criminally charging the corrupt politicians who are doing insider trading, who are uh, illegally targeting uh, American citizens with un, uh, in, in unjust criminal probes. They're going to have to start firing all the bureaucrats. And that's a decade long pl project. Plus, you can't reverse 50 years of corruption overnight. And the problem with all of that is while Trump may want to do it, he's facing resistance from nightmare zombie politicians who just want to get in office so they can buy and trade stock while the Titanic sinks. I am not confident in the federal government outside of the United States, and I'm not confident that we are going to be the dominant unipolar power. I don't, I don't even think we're going to be a superpower in 20 or 30 years. There's one word that did not appear in it in all that you said. God. Mm -hmm. um, There's a strong lack thereof in this country. Um. In other words, if you regard that the cities are corrupt and you regard that the federal government is corrupt, um, those are two large sectors right there, right, of, of our society, federal government, municipal government. Uh, what does that leave? You've got business, right, which I presume you also regard as hopelessly corrupt and Absolutely. woke. Absolutely. Okay. It's not, um, not even about woke. It's just mindlessly corrupt and has been. Okay. Obsession so then there's, you know, uh, mm. one 
traditionally anyway, there was one other major power center in this country that had the the ability to to move people, to motivate people, and even to feed people, and that was the churches, right? Yeah, and, gone. And faith. And so I just, that's Correct. why I bring it up. Yeah, we need to see change. The, the, we need a collective consciousness, this, uh, this, something to change. This country has experienced a severe moral and uh, communal decay over the past couple decades. And this past these past 10 years have been a rapid acceleration of it to the point where starting around 2016, 2017, you started to see serious conversations in corporate press about civil war and the real prospect of it. A Princeton professor coming on, I think it was like MSNBC saying, we are in a cold civil war. You start seeing factions fighting in the streets. You're seeing crime running rampant in, in all of our major cities with no willpower to do anything about it. In fact, in Chicago, despite the fact that crime is increasing and people don't feel safe there, they elected an even further left politician. So I, I, that's why I say get out of these cities. Do I think we as the United States will get through this? I really do. But the night is always darkest before the dawn. If you want to stay in these places, it's going to get bad. If China wants to take Taiwan, we may resist, but they're probably going to get it. I, I, I just looking at how the federal government is acting, what I see as our best path forward is Trump getting in office, following through with Schedule F. We need some serious criminal justice action. I'm talking getting an AG who starts going department to department and issuing criminal indictments on, say, people in the FBI for targeting American citizens with trumped up BS and ignoring the far left extremists who have done comparable things truly, or, or worse things. I believe, though, that if he did that without the consciousness, the will of the consciousness, he'd be killed by the CIA overnight. And then, well, there, well then that's, that's a black pill. Well, exactly. I think we well, need to what, rename this show the Grimcast. But so, okay, okay. I think that's where we're at. Regarding Some what nights you're saying, are more black pill than others. So God, you <laughs> brought up god if yeah. we were to start believing in god as a culture again god doesn't win wars god doesn't build businesses how would understanding god and bringing people together under that help us become a society god provides fuel for those enterprises <clears throat> when we talk about belonging to something larger than than ourselves um god encompasses that in my view unified moral focus if everyone said we all agree look i'll put it this way uh, we've talked to many people who are religious. I am not a Christian. I do believe in God, but I firmly believe, and this is obvious, if every single person in this country had the same faith, you wouldn't really need law enforcement. You would to a small degree, but you wouldn't have to worry too much if everyone 100% was faithful. Or, yeah, or practiced. That's what, practiced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If everybody was devout 100%, there would be right. absolutely no if, no need for law enforcement at all. If men were angels, we would have no need of government. Right. right. Yeah. And so what you actually end up getting is, to varying degrees, a large portion of a population having one moral framework, and thus you don't see a lot of crime. But then you have some people who just genuinely don't care or through crimes of desperation commit crime. So you'll need some kind of law enforcement or policing or communal watch or defense or something like that. Right now, what we have is a completely shattered social infrastructure with no moral framework at all. And woke people who these younger people that are growing up have no moral framework at all. Mm -hmm. We here on this show have a solidly, whether anyone, any liberal or whatever wants to admit it in the United States, a solidly Christian moral framework. I bring this up very often. Bill Maher has a Christian moral framework in his worldview. He believes in the uh, presumption of innocence, which is rooted in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is where Blackstone's formulation comes from, which is where we get our, our Fifth Amendment and Fourth Amendment and other amendments. But you look at the woke generation now, you look at the younger generation, they don't care about any of that. 
They've actually come out against the Constitution. They have protested saying we should get rid of it. They don't believe in, in, in fundamental rights because they don't have the same moral framework we do. Their moral framework is rooted in the fascistic view. There is no truth but power. I, I believe this. We have to win that war. Like Judaism is, is I, I'm finding myself more Jewish by the day. And I think what's happened is these global banking cartels are sometimes run by people with Jewish ancestry and they're, they're, they might not even believe in God, but they call themselves Jewish and they're poisoning the name of the Jew and taking credit for something that I want to see it. I want to see you behave like a Jew. If you are, you show me that it's, it's about, you don't worship money. Like how can you fathom setting up a bank and, and taking interest from people that they can't afford? I think part of it is the young. Well, the banks are collapsing, but anyway, yeah, you were seriously. saying. I was thinking, I think the youngest generation is so lost because we are a culture that didn't safeguard our morals. I understand uh, objections to organized religions. People feel like any institution, you know, churches can become corrupt. But we didn't raise children in a collective understand, understanding of what's good and what's wrong. We raised children in a culture that said, you know, push your boundaries constantly. Anything is whatever you want it to be. It was a very ambiguous time. And this has we, been going on since since the 80s. And I think as a result, we have a generation of people who are uh, in many respects hopeless and lost. And that is a very difficult thing to come back from because bitterness is a pill you can't unswallow. Let me, let me show you this story from uh, CNN. I want to talk about this Tucker Carlson thing. Tucker Carlson sent a racist text to a producer, quote, it's not how white men fight. Silly. You have this story. Uh, what, what's his name? Abby something. Grossman is her name, I guess. Grossberg. Grossberg. There you go. And she was uh, uh, coming out being like, oh, they were so bad to me. They were so awful. So what happens is Tucker Carlson releases a text where he says, I saw this video of Proud Boys beating up an Antifa guy and I started getting into it saying I could taste it. And then I realized you know, this. I shouldn't be thinking these things this is bad. I don't want to be in this place. Here's what CNN does. They show the first part of the quote that makes it look like Tucker is just bloodthirsty. They then give you this massive story about Fox and Dominion and text messages and a lawsuit and settlement before they give you the actual quote, which is Tucker saying these are bad things. We shouldn't think these things. And that's my point, because what happens is people will read the first quote once they get down to the part about Dominion old news from a month ago, they'll just stop reading. I think about this person, Abby Grossberg, and this is what this nation has raised people to be. Mindless self-indulgence. They see that you can be popular by saying whatever the machine wants you to say. They, they are quite literally slaves to the AI already. If they can get likes from it, they'll say it. They don't care what it is. If they don't get likes from it, they won't say it, even if it's right. Like an episode of Black Mirror. Absolutely. And so now what you have is a generation of people who are like, don't know, don't care. I will say whatever gets traffic. And there's this really funny clip. Actually, let me pull it up because I have it. And it's from the Tim. It's from Tim Dillon's podcast that perfectly exemplifies the vapid, despicable nature of these young people. Uh, here we go. I'm going to pull this up right here. Uh, let me play this clip for you guys. To be honest, like it's it's actually really hard in this space, right? Like we have like 45 seconds to record a video, keep right. people's attention. And a lot of the people on our side, like if they start hearing, like I've actually done it before. I've, I've criticized like a Democrats, like specifically Hakeem Jeffries. And it, it all just went south. Like I started losing followers, like it's bad, right? And I really want to be that person that like reaches the other side because Democrats, I mean, they're horrible at their jobs, right? They do a lot of sh shitty things, although I'll vote for them all the time. Um, but it, it's also hard in the space to criticize That's a them. good, can we clip yeah. that quote? They're horrible no, please at their don't. jobs. Please, please, please don't, please don't, please don't clip that. Them. Please, no, 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 please. To be honest, like, 
He legit was like, no, 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 please don't clip that, please. And when I first heard this kid said that, I thought it was him more snarkily being like, don't clip it, come on, guys. But he actually sounds scared. And this is it. These two young men, they're paid by, by a, a, a talent agency that gets money from the DNC. They go on the internet and just say mindless, vapid, garbled nonsense that sounds like politics, but has no bearing in reality. They get followers from it. If they deviate from that line, they lose followers. We can have Luke Rudkowski come on this show and rant about how he doesn't like Donald Trump and people still like and follow Luke Rudkowski because whatever space we're in, we're more interested in having an honest conversation and explaining our ideas, even if it challenges my or someone else's opinion, people will still be like, well, I want to hear what these people think and why. That whole thing is a cult. And this is what young people are being raised to do. It doesn't matter what Tucker Carlson was actually trying to say. What matters is how can we extract cult responses? How can we extract followers? Zombies. I don't see how the United States remains a dominant power, if it even still is, if half or more of this country are either lazy, ignorant, willfully ignorant, or willfully manipulative like these young men. Even 30%. Are you about to say something? I just, I, I personally recoil from generational disparagement. You know, I, I... It's because you have children and you want to believe they can take <laughs> the future back. No, my, my kids are irretrievable. No, um... <laughs> Only because, um, you know, we could talk about kind of pajama guy. I don't know if you remember that. It was from like, I don't know, maybe it was the Obama era. And there was there, there were there were ads that were created to promote Obamacare. And one of them showed this sort of effete looking guy in his pajamas. And he, you know, it uh, he was dressed in red flannel pajamas and he had a little cup of Java and he had sort of horn rim glasses. Yeah. And yes, I, know the I guy think we talked, talked about, about this. Okay. And, and, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah we, we, we pulled okay. this up recently. So it might be tempting to sort of uh, to to write off the current generation of young people as pajama guy or, you know, they're just completely wrapped up in their artificial cocoon of, of you know, their phones and social media and everything else. But... Uh, you know, I just getting older, I recognize that these were these are glib distinctions to say that uh, one generation had grit and they understood, did. and this generation doesn't. And that's a fact, though. Yeah, never be the you guy that's like you kids can't, today. You can't compare any of the generations since World War II. Well, the, the kids that were growing up in the internet, you brought this up before the show, the kids that were born into the age of the internet don't have the reference of knowing what it's like without the machine. It's one right. thing. Sometimes. It's one thing to say when the boomers... Uh, uh, when the greatest generation is talking about the boomers and you're like, don't criticize the younger generation. Everybody does it. There's that quote from Socrates about how they got no respect. And then after several generations, you've come to the point where Gen Z is morbidly obese, lazy, demanding safe spaces full of cotton candy because people said naughty words on campus. And you compare that to the greatest generation who stormed the beaches of Normandy. But again, aren't how many uh, members of this current generation that we're so quick to dismiss are, are um, the heroes who are responding at school shootings or are in the military and doing extraordinary things who are, who are we're missing our recruitment goals and the Uvalde cops did nothing and the cops in and the security guard in Parkland ran away. So now what we're seeing is there was a story in Philadelphia where a man raped a woman on the train and not a single person did anything to help. That's where we are with our current generation. Does the, the name Kitty Genovese ring a bell? Negative. Has anyone heard of Kitty Genovese? Mm -hmm. So Kitty Genovese was a woman in Queens in 1964, and she lived in a big apartment building that had a central courtyard area, and she was attacked and raped repeatedly and killed, and she died from her injuries. 
Um, and the investigation, this is 1964, which as far as I'm concerned is modernity. Um, and the investigation determined that there were several dozen people who were aware of the attack, who were witnessing it take place, or different parts of it take place. Not one single person called the police. And the Kitty Genovese case endures as a model of urban sociology. It's been taught for 50 years in college courses. And what was the reason that nobody called the cops? And as opposed to your example on a subway where nobody lifted a finger, you're right there in the thick of it. You might be afraid that you're going to get slashed or whatever. Here was a situation where these several dozen people in this apartment complex looking down on their courtyard didn't even face the hurdle of personal exposure to danger, right? They just had to pick up a phone and nobody did. And why didn't they? I bet I know because they all thought somebody else was going to do it. Correct. Okay, yeah, well, so, you know, when you cite an example like that one on the subway as an example of today's uh, morality, depraved morality on the part of a given generation, then we can talk about Kitty Genovese from 1964, which was a generation by and large with much greater civic totally. sense. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm saying it just has gotten worse. Like, I'm not comparing those people to the, the people who stormed the beaches of Normandy. I, I absolutely agree that generations have increasingly gotten worse now what we're dealing with there is two singular stories that it's, it's you know the plural of anecdote is not data we have these stories they're interesting but i think when you look at what's happening with our universities you take a look at the fact that movies they're they're, they're firing uh, they fired sarah silverman i think that she got fired from a movie because she did a blackface joke 15 years prior mocking the idea we're, we're in a generation now where you have college students screaming at professors that this is not about education, it's about safe spaces. Look, there's you, a lot of troubling phenomena out there in, in, with the current generation. All I'm saying is that if I were uh, on that day where I have this supernumerary Reese's peanut butter cup that I just shouldn't, right, and I plop to the ground, um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a person of the current generation who's going to get me to but a, that's, but a that's hospital like a, and who's going to sure, take sure, care sure, of me. Sure, 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 but again, anecdotal. But well, I think but, it's important. But so, let's, let's, so let's, is let's, your subway story. So and, is, and I said that. I said know, quite but, literally, your story and mine are anecdotal. So I'm me, willing me, to step back and say, and let's, 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 let's do, multiply let's, it by, you know, millions. So uh, I, and, I don't make blanket do statements about generations. So, let, so, so let's do that. Let's talk about, let me ask you a question. Do you think that if a woman is nine month nine months pregnant and at the point of birth, a doctor should be allowed to kill the baby? So you're asking about my personal political opinions, which I'm not supposed to give because I'm a reporter. So let's just but, put it this way. You don't have to answer that question. Okay. In Colorado, a woman can be at the point of birth, at the point, and a, and a doctor can kill the kid. The, the Democrats tried passing a law allowing basically limitless abortion for the health of the mother. And there was interesting ways they described what that really meant. It could mean depression and things like that. Okay. We, we went into great detail. We're, we're at a point now where... Our standard, and using abortion as one single example, you have states that have said no limit. You have states that have banned it outright. A complete hyperpolarization of morality in this country. You have people, uh, you have states that are advocating for child sterilization with sex change surgery, despite the fact that the universities and medical practice in Europe have already abandoned it. They don't care about what makes sense. I, I think it is, it, it, not that I'm saying that we're we're going to lose but there is a very clear moral decay in this country with the current generation that didn't exist with the previous generation and, and now again i'm not giving any of my own opinions because i'm not paid to do so although I'm, I'm willing to explore those options with tim cast but here you are talking about moral decay 
And the person whom you have identified just in the course of our conversation as the only person who can possibly start the great rescue effort of the United States that urgently needs to be undertaken is Donald Trump. That's right. Okay, who is uh, married three times. Yep. Um, you know, under uh, under indictment, uh, presently facing on uh, Fake rape, indictment. rape trial. Fake rape you know, trial. But that's, that's quite literally the moral decay to which I'm referring. A 30-year-old case that clearly appears to be fabricated, a false accusation that he was working for Russia, Ukraine gate, clearly something Joe Biden was doing, engaging in a quid pro quo, and our morally decayed country indicted Trump for figuring it out rather accidentally. Trump is not a saint. He's a lewd, lascivious old man. And it's scary that he is our best chance. But when, when you talk, when you, when you, you don't, you don't think, you don't uh, maybe politically, but I think it's in the music industry. Oh, come on. He's, 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 he's in the bus saying you can grab the women. They let you do it. Yeah, whatever. I'm not, dude. I'm not going to come out and be like, you know, what the left is saying about him. He said they let you fine, whatever, but it is fairly, you know, locker room talk, whatever you want to call it. Trump is not a saint, but Trump is at the very least someone who's, I would say our only chance at getting rid of the first layer of crust that has taken over our, our, uh, and our all the other system. potential Republican, um, uh, contenders who whose names we all know, um, you regard as as hopelessly corrupt. Well, like like who? DeSantis. DeSantis, I think, is good. That's why I said a Trump DeSantis ticket is probably pretty okay. good. I, think, I think it is a good job, but I think DeSantis is going to negotiate, and what that will do is just be another sludge in the machine of slowly moving forward. Whereas Trump's going to go in like a bull in a china shop and just start saying, enough, but I'm done with this. We need the groundswell because the head does nothing without the body's attention. And so the people, the generation, I think this is why interesting you brought up, don't demonize generations of humans because the, every generation faces its own Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, its own coming to God moment, its own struggle and overcoming of it. And this generation is facing it and a lot of them are failing. They've been sucked into the machine and have become something they're not or that they weren't or that they don't want to be or that they don't understand. But there's a lot of great ones. And it's we're speaking to all of them, especially the ones that are listening you right now. Like, I don't know what 30, 40% of our audience is between the ages of 18 and 34. Like, we've got a lot of you listening right now. And it is you that is going to change the world and hold this thing together. So, yeah, so what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is not that every single person that exists is bad. I'm saying that millennials have a very serious malignancy and so does Gen Z. Something that we've not seen in the past. In the 1990s, I grew up in Chicago as, as a Democrat, as Democrat could be. And I worked at a bunch of nonprofits when I got older. I did register vote actions. And uh, I, I thought I, I liked Obama until you know, he started blowing up kids. And obviously the stuff he did to you was really bad. But that was what my family believed in. And when it came to abortion as a really good moral example, the argument that I would hear from my urban liberal Democrat friends was, no, none of us like it. We all think abortion is bad, but it's not an issue for government. It's an issue of medical practice. So we agree at a certain point, maybe it should not be allowed, but the government shouldn't intervene within a certain amount of time. Now the argument is that uh, that female comedian going on Netflix saying, everybody get an abortion, you get an abortion. You have Lena Dunham going out and saying she wished she had one. 
despite not being pregnant. She's like, I, I never got one, but I wish I did. That is absolute chaos and moral decay that didn't exist in the previous generation. And we're seeing that get crazier and crazier to the point where Washington and Colorado are creating sanctuaries for child sex changes. Like, it's just, come on. You know, in, in, in Sweden, Finland, Denmark, they say, okay, we're going to stop doing these things that don't work. The Tavistock Center in the UK is being shut down. In the United States, the Democrats are codifying law to take 10-year-olds and give them hormones that sterilize them. And I'm just like, okay, the thirst for power and money knows no bounds. The doctor in Florida who made videos saying she was going to eat teats today and talked about, you know, she gets, she gets, she makes tons of money giving young girls double mastectomies because they're going through some kind of psychological trauma. This is moral decay that did not exist. Now, don't get me wrong, lobotomies happened. And then everybody was like, yo, these are bad things. We stopped doing it. But today, there's a bifurcation. It feels like the traditional left and right paradigm is in one camp, and then this new morally psychotic algorithmic mess is the left. Yeah, it's right. the first time that uh, the international community has heavily influenced the United States like this. I think the hardest thing is you don't want to demonize a whole generation. I think you're right. But on the other hand, we have to be honest with the challenges that they're facing. And the way that the generations before them have prepared them to take on the world is not serving them. You're part of this generation. You should say we, not they. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about millennials. I'm a millennial. Yeah. I think millennials are garbage. I think they're- No, you guys are awesome, man. Millennials are over, millennials are, are the, look, Gen X is fantastic. I think well, Gen X I is great. Thank you very right. much. Yes, Gen no, X and you. boomers. And I am willing to praise whole generations. Oh, right? okay. So it works yeah. one way, but not the other. Pretty awesome. But here's, here's how I view it. You have Gen Xers, which are net positive, but maybe it's 60-40. There's a decent amount of people in their 40s and 50s who are very weak and allow this kind of stuff to take over. You then get the millennial generation, which inverts, where very few millennials are of strong moral character and overwhelmingly are vapid, narcissistic, social media-driven individuals. Gen Z actually might be slightly more based than millennials because we're starting to see a bunch of young people protest the, the algorithmic psychosis that millennials were entrenched in. So I think that may be a net positive, but Gen Z is still fairly even. Better, uh, Gen Z is better than millennials, I think, but millennials are, and I'm a millennial, I think millennials are the worst. Well, the thing I like about Z and millennials is that they're involved. The problem with Gen X, and I'm not speaking for everybody, because obviously, James, you and I are X, I'm like tail end of it, you're earlier or in the middle of it somewhere, is that they checked out. A lot of Gen X is just checked out. Well, the, the I, name I of the movie was Slackers, right? I mean, that was one of the sort of iconic movies from the Gen X period. Um, we were talking about this before we started the show. And um, yeah, I was born in 1968. So I turned 10 in the year 1978 you know, where an evening's entertainment was you watch TV, one of the three channels, maybe you had a VHS machine, but you played board games, you know what I'm saying? And like there were times of the day that were set aside, generally the morning and 6 p.m. And in those times, if you wanted to be engaged in the business of acquiring information, those were the times when you did that. Otherwise, you were living your life. And I'm very grateful to have experienced a time before computers took over everything. Mm -hmm. So so what I see with the boomers, for instance, is that we had a lot of great content in the 90s. I, you know, having grown up in the 90s, I'm biased for sure. And uh, the gin blossoms. Oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, what a great band. I, I, I think Allison road, man. I think about Take where we are culturally today. And especially with AI and algorithms and what that's leading to, it's static, it's chaos, and where we were in the 90s and before that, and it just feels like an unraveling.
you know that is certainly i feel like uh, um, an attack a psychological attack by foreign interests corporate interests to try and disrupt the the people of the united states it does it's not a natural thing that just happened because these See, people are who they are i think it's just a result of the internet right i mean exactly to your point there were uh, there was limited connection to the outside world. You got information at certain times. Otherwise, you were more engaged with your family life and your community. I don't think when we had the internet, which of course is a great blessing in a lot of ways, we knew what it was like. We didn't know we'd have to put it back in the box, right? We didn't know that at some point you would hand a 12-year-old a smartphone and say like, okay, be careful on this. You could get semi-addicted to it and be constantly seeking dopamine hits through people online. We didn't know what and we were bringing up. And that's why I think it's so important to talk about the challenges that specifically face the youngest generations in this country because they're unlike any generation before them. Worse still. We're hearing that crazy story about Roblox. Do you guys hear about this one? No, tell me. Predators are going on Roblox because they know there's no parents and it's all kids. And then they start indoctrinating these kids and saying creepy things to them and exploiting them. And that's... But I think that also happened on like... Do you remember RuneScape? Yeah. My brother used to play that and like you would get people being like, oh, let me give you your phone number or whatever else. Like these... these uh, Again, very morally corrupt people will find a way to use technology that we think is innocent to for, for negative and nefarious means. And this, this is what we're seeing with Drag Queen Story Hour, is it's gotten to the point where the left establishment is protecting the exploitation of children to rather extreme degrees, like the sterilization of children. And uh, let's, let, you know what, I'm going to play this clip so I can explain to you moral bankruptcy in a way that uh, I think you might say, oh man, let me... Uh, let me see if I can pull this up from uh, the post millennial. I'm it's always a, I'm always up for some good moral bankruptcy. Yeah, in whatever form you want to feed it to me. You, you know, you can go bankrupt and still be very wealthy. I've I found out. Uh, there is this phenomenon I think where people in this modern generation feel like they're failing if they're not on the internet, if they're not connected. It's a sort of mm -hmm. failure. But it, the reality is the inverse. Taking ten I'm, days away from the internet can make your life magnitudes better, greater, hundred times I'm, better. I'm going to play for you this clip from a major television network. And uh, warning to all those, you may have heard it before, it's disturbing. But with her, I'm worried about like her mental well-being and her dilation. The minute she leaves my house, we have a dilation problem. That, that is a concern. When you don't have that watchful eye, they tend to go back to old patterns. I have woken Jazz out of a dead sleep and taken the dilator and put the lubrication on it and said, here, you take this and you put it in your vagina. If not, I will. But Jazz is bad, even when I'm home once a day. I will be so mad if she goes away to college and that thing seals up. I will wring her neck. Can you imagine? This is a story about you know a about biological male. This entire discussion was beyond my technical ken. So let me explain. Let me, right let, me, let, me, let me say it for you as plainly and yeah. ineffectively Be gentle, as possible. But yeah. All right. I am not going to explain this to people in a way that will in, in, uh, invite invective or uh, aggression. I will just try and keep the language plain. This is the story about Jazz Jennings, a biological male who at the age of three was determined to be transgender by Jazz's family. Began social transition around seven, puberty blockers, hormone blockers. At the age of 17 as a minor, Jazz received which called, uh, received uh, a, sec, a sex change operation. They refer to it as bottom surgery. Typically, an adult male receives- At what age? 17 as a minor. 
Typically, people receive what's called a penile inversion vaginoplasty if they're adults. But because Jazz underwent puberty blockers, Jazz did not develop any uh, um, f- physical uh, function in, in terms of uh, sexual components. This resulted in s- severe complications and multiple surgeries where they had to take stomach lining to create the inside of what is a permanent wound in the pelvis of this young male. The purpose for which is so that a man who is attracted to this, to this, to jazz can insert themselves for sexual gratification. After the surgery, because the wound tries to seal itself, you have to introduce what's called a dilator every day, which is a, a device that cranks the wound open with lubrication. This is the story of a mother on the learning channel, a major corporate cable channel, explaining how she wakes up her biologically male child in the middle of the night and says, stick this in your wound and crank it open or I will. And then goes on to say, if she leaves and that wound closes, I will wring her neck. Tell me this is not moral decay when on cable television, this, which I believe to be purely criminal child abuse, is celebrated. I see that and I just say, we have reached a severe state of moral decay. It's a kind of, it sounds like a psychosis. A Munchausen collect, a syndrome by proxy. A collective psychosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that it would be presented on any sort of viable commercial television outlet of some kind um, is staggering to me. And I you know, agree. Ron DeSantis hasn't filed any criminal charges against his family for what they've done. It's gotten to the point where, let me, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. If it was uh, 1990 and we heard a story about a parent who did this to their child, they'd probably be arrested, investigated, the child would be removed, given psychotherapy and some kind of help. This is, this is to, this, to the point where not only is, look, there are people in this country who are mad at me right now for saying this. This woman says that she forces her child to do this. Her child clearly does not want to. That's why she has to wake up her child in the middle of the night and say, do it or I will for a TV show. And instead of saying, maybe we should investigate, because this sounds like abuse. This sounds like the child does not want to engage in this practice and the mother is making them do it. And it could be potentially harmful. Why don't we get protective services or some kind of law enforcement to at least investigate? Not only are we not doing that, we're putting it on television, celebrating it, giving them commercials. And selling selling ad time on it. And their Mm -hmm. book. And and, and, and Jazz has a book encouraging more children to engage in this. Jazz is an adult now, which is why... There's no protective custody thing going in. Now it's just, it, you would assume it's a consensual relationship between two consenting adults. Otherwise, Jazz would have filed let's a complaint. Let, 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 me play, let me play this other clip because people are requesting I play this other clip. Here, we'll listen to this. So, um, are you feeling like you wanted to start talking about, are you okay? I'm okay. I'm like I'm going to cry. But you, you know I can't get out of my head. I know. No, listen. <laughs> It just doesn't stop. It's okay. Give me a hug. It's okay. I know what you're going through. We've been there before. No, it still doesn't stop now. I and I'm already going well, back to you, negative. But the more you're talking about yourself, it gets harder. Mm-hmm. You're digging in and you're, it's making you put a, a magnifying glass on what's already difficult as it is. So this is hard for you. I know. And you don't, we don't want to push and you I know. Anymore. I'm the one doing it. Like, I know. You're your own worst enemy. I feel kind of all over the place and like my mind is very cluttered and not clear. And I really want to have that clarity. I really want to understand myself and be able to read my own soul and what I want. And it's just very challenging. And I think I'm kind of breaking down a little bit and spiraling into negativity. 
I just want to feel like myself. Like, that's right. it. You're I don't like care. All I want is to be happy and feel like me, and I don't feel like what me ever. Me? So the interesting thing with this now is that Jazz, a biological male who was raised as a female and underwent surgery, is dating women. This to me is is obvious moral corruption of our of our society in ways we've not seen in previous generations. I'll tell you what it brings to mind for me. It brings to mind uh, the statement from John Kenneth Galbraith. Raise your hand if you know who John Kenneth Galbraith was. He was an economist. He coined the term the affluent society, uh, and he was also President Kennedy's ambassador to India. And uh, he and Buckley used to have a kind of a relationship, sort of like Scalia and RBG, where you had these two people on different sides of the, of the issues who would debate, and they were best friends. They would go skiing together, et cetera. But John Kenneth Galbraith said, I think around 1960, that America is the first country in the history of the world where more people are at risk of dying from having too much to eat than from having too little. Oh, yeah. And the choices that, and the decision making, and the enterprise that you've just played, uh, is is uh, are the choices and decisions and and the enterprise of an elective society, where uh, you know if you go around the world, uh, or if you go into other neighborhoods in the United States where they don't have enough to eat, no one's doing this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to note that this was something that boiled up over time right this this was something that uh crept up to be at the point where we now talk about it as if it's a regular part of society jazz's show used to be on tlc tlc also hosted uh 19 kids and counting which were jim bob and michelle duggar who were these homeschooling christians and they were sort of another view and an extreme family because that's how tlc made money for years and years and years they took people who lived in sort of unorthodox ways or not in a, a normal way and put them both on tv and one of the sons-in-law Derek dillard on twitter this is i think this was in like 2000 Six, 16 maybe 2014 uh said you know jazz is being abused this is not real you know there's only two genders and this is all terrible and tlc said he can't appear on the show anymore he is not allowed to be on this thing where theoretically he makes money uh because they sided with the gender ideology and this was i mean close to a decade ago at this point we have seen this coming for some time and instead of intervening and saying like, well, let's at least have both opposing opinions on air and let people sort it out for themselves. You know, I know you always say this, but people saw, well, this one makes m more money, so we'll side with it. I don't even know if it does make more money, uh, but there is, there is a, when you look back, it's sort of dark to think that along the way we could have had rational discussions and we could have said, I don't know, maybe this is too far. Maybe there are some boundaries we're crossing. And instead we're like, no, we need to let people live as they live, even when you sacrifice a child body, basically. When I saw Rachel Dolezal, she was the lady out in, in the Seattle area, I think, who, uh, you know, transracial, who became convinced that she identifies as an African-American person um, and, you know, took every step possible to further that idea, including changes in the way she presented herself and so on but she got as far with it as uh, securing the position i think of executive director of the local naacp out there okay she she got to be in charge of an organization for 
that advanced the interests of, of people of color, even though she herself was white. And when I saw that take place, I thought to myself, well, what should prohibit me from saying that from the age of five, I have strongly identified as a beetle? And I'm going to demand that all of you, anyone who comes into my presence and, and all of you who don't, shall now treat me as a beetle. That starts with the checks, but that's not the end of it, right? Like, beetle, I the musician, self-identify. not the bug. Yeah, no. The sixth beetle. So, you know. Um, sixth, I, I suppose. Well, there's the drummer, and then I guess you could say the, Epstein. The, or, original, original Paul. The yeah. first Paul was the first. Oh, yeah. Are you the original Eight. Paul? I am the, I am the <laughs> six millionth, fifth beetle is what I am. But, you know... Again, these are this wouldn't this isn't happening. What you just played, the Jazz Jennings saga, isn't happening in in places where people are scrounging just to have enough to eat. Right. These are the decisions, the elective decisions of an affluent society, and what's moral decay. And it's just extraordinary to are me. Are you familiar with the Rat Hope experiment? No. Scientists put a bunch of rats in a space, limited space, unlimited resources, food and water and then observed what they would do. And they broke down to the point where like they were uh, huddling around each other, no longer engaging in normal right behavior. One, one group started grooming themselves and did nothing else. Their behavior started to break down. They became aggressive. They would, they, with, with a limited amount of space, they would all congregate in one small area. Right. They, uh, the, the, the social breakdown resulted in like stopping eating and then dying. When they would take one of the rats from this place and put it back into a normal rat society, it would retain the social behaviors and spread them and then bring social decay. So that's very, a, very horrifying. A behavioral sync, the rat utopia. I right. think you may have said rat uh, hope, hope experience, oh, sorry, which is a different one. The hope was a different one. That yeah, was the rat They put them utopia. in water and make them swim, but it's the rat yeah, utopia. Yeah, the rat hope one's scary too. Yeah, when you give people unlimited food, you know, how, how do you convince them not to eat too much? Become a Christian? Become a, a Jew? Like, don't gluttony is a sin for a reason? Well, the difference is cities are like the rat utopias, but you can still get out to the country and get away from these congested areas. So the difference is in the, in the rat utopia, they stayed in one place. In the human utopia, people who are seeing the decay are fleeing and the people who are absorbing the decay are staying. And they're making and TV shows about the people that are staying there. That's right. And then they're broadcasting it to the entire world and saying, look how profitable it is if you're like that. And but, but make a show out look, of you. Jazz can't have children. So, you know. The With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The people of this moral ideology eventually, from aborting their children and sterilizing their children, are less likely to reproduce and share those ideologies. They try to go to schools, but conservatives have started pulling their kids out and engaging in homeschooling. So I think, rather optimistically, for bad reasons, the future is more likely to course correct, and this will naturally resolve itself. Yeah. Well, these kind of movements, which are Stalinist at their core, ultimately become self-devouring. You know, um, my feeling about this is that um, in 1954, we had Brown v. Board of Education, right? The landmark Supreme Court ruling that overturned Plessy v. Ferguson from 1896, which had said separate but equal is constitutional, right? And after Brown v. Board of Ed, 
um, it was no longer lawful or constitutional for a state system to discriminate against somebody based on their color. And then there were subsequent Supreme Court rulings, which, um, you know, I think Brown v. Board of Ed mandated desegregation, quote, with all deliberate speed. But there was a, I think it's Alexander v. Holmes, I, forgive me for not remembering it off the top of my head, but there was a 1969 Supreme Court ruling which took it further and said, not with all deliberate speed, now, okay? So African Americans were and remain a minority group, okay? I think they comprise 13% of the American population. Let's assume it was roughly the same in 1954. This was a minority group that was terribly aggrieved and sought uh, redress through the courts and succeeded. And ever since then, what you've had is every minority group, um, some of them with far less compelling claims to being aggrieved, they're all seeking their Brown v. Board of Ed moment. Well, but, well but hold on. Uh, the left today, Black Lives Matter, for instance, they want to reverse Brown v. Board of Ed. Uh, Derek Bell, for instance, spoke out against it, saying it was wrong, and he agreed with Plessy v. Ferguson. So if they're allowed to continue down that path, we'll get segregation. And in fact, they've introdu reintroduced segregation in many universities. Well, this would be the difference between the civil rights movement and, and BLM. But um, in short... What you're seeing with this fight over bathrooms and the whole transgender question is a, a, a minority group that, that has its own sense of aggrievement and which is seeking to use uh, the, the, the courts and, and other traditional means to uh, redress this to their satisfaction. Now, when everyone saw the, the TV broadcasts of the film footage of Sheriff Bull Connor you know, sicking dogs and, and, and fire hoses and billy clubs on innocent African-American demonstrators, the, um, the, the horror was so vivid and, and readily discernible that no one would quarrel with, um, with, with a, a ruling like Brown v. Board of Ed. The, the policy was so self-evidently discriminatory. Um, and, and, if, and there was so much interaction between uh, the majority and the minority group. Here, I remember seeing Cory Booker on the very first debate that was held for the 2020 cycle. It was in late June of 2019. Uh, and you had so many Democratic candidates at that in June of 2019. They had to have two programs back to back uh, with what they called the kids table. Um, and Cory Booker, you know, he's been around for a while. People in Washington certainly know who he is, but perhaps this was his chance really to introduce himself to the American electorate writ large. And maybe he wouldn't get a, a, another better chance. And as it happened, he didn't. But I remember him saying in that debate, we must spend more time talking about trans Americans and in specific African-American trans Americans to tepid applause. We're talking about a, a minority here that is a fraction of a fraction a hundred of a fraction. In the country. Okay. And yet look at the extraordinary attention that's paid to this. Look at the resources that are consumed with it. Look how much time we're spending discussing it, okay? And that is because... But we're not talking about that small amount. We're, we're talking about, I think, 47,000 young people in the past four years have been put on sterilizing chemicals. I think that's fairly substantive that establishment medical practices are engaging in this behavior mm -hmm. to this degree. And we're in the thousands of young girls who have had their breasts removed and we're talking about 15-year-old girls. Right. No, but you're ta what I'm talking about is the success of a very, very small minority in uh, bringing its grievance to the big show. But, but this, is my, this is my point. 
it's not a small minority. It is powerful establishment political forces bringing this issue well, to being the co-opted or aligning themselves with this tiny, tiny minority of people. But, but, but it's 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 a, a child who doesn't know what any of this is being brought to a doctor to have her breasts removed is not a member of a community seeking civil rights True. justice. It right. is an adult who is not. It is it, Jazz Jennings mother is not a trans person. Jazz Jennings' mother introduced her three-year-old child to this. Right. So it's not the minority. But we do have to go to Super Chats. Wait, wait, you, we're we're definitely, you're about to say because. Eight minutes. No, no. Oh, late. you answered it. Okay. You so uh, if you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button? Head over to TimCast.com. Become a member so we uh, you can watch the uncensored members-only show coming up at about 10, 10 p.m. But let's read your Super Chats. I'm not your buddy guy, says this is Canada. A conservative MP had, had his family threatened in China and the liberals silenced him, saying it would be debunked despite CSIS confirmation. I mean, the CCP had threatened his family in China. Interesting. Grofty says, Tom McDonald should be protected at all costs for this country. Change my rooster mind. Buck, buck, buck. Tom McDonald is fantastic. He has a new song, Dirty Money. You guys should definitely check it out. Support his work. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Tim, at first I was angry about the weak-willed wants to understand white rage run in our military into degradation, then recalled living on a ship for a year with sailors and well sounds about right. Unfortunate. Robert Knight says the Fed rate hike today will destabilize the banking industry more. Powell didn't rule out another rate hike in June. This is unfurling and dangerously. Also expect energy prices to spike in summer. Definitely with air conditioning. Joe Joel Stein says re yesterday's convo about sponsoring a sports team. You should put a picture of your big Roberto Jr. on the hood of a NASCAR Cup Series car. The first car comes to mind. You are a wrecking ball. I don't know if I can afford that. Have you heard about Roberto Jr.? No. We have a chicken colony. I'm probably not the one who can describe it There's babies. It we have babies. Yeah, there are new babies. New um, yeah. And this is part of chicken city. Tim's personal interest and also sort of a, the cultural I don't know, movement to grow chicken your own So food. Roberto Jr. is is that the lead chicken? Or the well, Roberto, one and only. Roberto was, yeah. and then he had a son, he was Roberto the prince, Jr. And okay. now he is the king. But Roberto had to retire because he was banging his daughters, and you can only allow that for so long. Dirty. Yeah. No, Chickens, mean, it's called line breeding, actually, so you can do like a generation, but you don't want to keep doing it. And so then we introduced Roberto Jr., but now we're getting to the point where Roberto Jr. may have to uh, get his own private mansion with some girls because... You know, now he's 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 become he is also, part of the very problem he was intended to I, solve. I, so, I, I think Roberto Jr. has a, has one child. <laughs> but yeah. uh, big news, the Silkies had four babies and the Cochin had two babies. So, uh, wow. Look at, look at uh, that. The chickens are making more themselves. Mazel tov. For you, Tim, as emperor, who will you designate as the uh, the next viceroy when Jr. steps down or is removed from power? Man, that's tough. Maybe maybe we'll give Lil Luke his reign. I like it. Ian, to see you shamelessly lobbying for the job this way is it's, <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's very unappealing. I mean, I'm already him, but I don't want to talk about it online. <laughs> Uh, Michael Knowles will be the sheriff of Chicken City. Makes we'll, sense. We'll... You remind me of Michael Knowles. Has anyone ever told you that before? Uh, no, but I, I know who he is. Uh, he's a good looking guy, so I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Let's grab some more Super Chats. Vocal cadence. I don't know if that's true. Gabby Hayes says, Ian, I want you to know you have a true supporter in me. Everyone else may not always know where you come from, but I know it's from a place of love and passion. Glad you're back. Long live Timcast. Gosh, thanks, Gabby. Daystar says, who do you think supplied those drones? Um, Well, if it was Russia, then Russia. If it was Ukraine, then Iran. Iran. Iran's been supplying drones to the Russians. To the Russians? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But they're like small ones, aren't they? 
I I can't say I know the exact models, but um, um, you know that's where they've been getting their drones from. Casey Willis says, first super chat ever, and I've been listening since day one, had my first cup of your Appalachian Nights blend this morning. And I do have to say, as a usual drinker of Folgers, your coffee is chef's kiss. Oh, oh yeah. So the two signature blends we have now, we have a light and a dark, and we have like a very light and a very dark. Next we're making is, uh, so this will be about six weeks, is a medium and two, de- a light and a dark decaf. So the medium roast is stand your grounds. And then we have unwoke and sleepy joke. The decaf ones. Those are, those are, those are great. Will, will you bring uh, Rise with Roberto Jr. tomorrow? I'd yeah, like we'll to try bring, a little we'll bring before the show. Uh, we need to order a bunch more, but uh, Appalachian Nights is, is, is a very, very dark roast. It's not as dark as an espresso blend, but it is dark. That's less, less caffeine. Yep. Maybe bring that one. Do you have that one too? We don't have that one. Okay. Uh, we, yeah. we did before, but we drank it all. Then the new orders came in, and I ordered just a single sample for display. And Rise with Roberto Jr., if you like a nutty blend, I mean... Very bright. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It. Fresh smell. Yeah. Does Newsmax have its own coffee? They don't have their own coffee, but they're generous with coffees. Like, they, they have a machine where, you know, you just push this button, the thing comes... And then, like, they have, like, 15 different blends that you can choose from, which all look like the same communist blend, but... Uh, and you stick Generic that... It's like a pouch, blend. right? It's a pouch, and you stick it in there, and it's got, like, oh, a little... Yeah tip at the at the top of the pouch and you close the thing and coffee comes out and i drink yeah, it. yeah there you go mm-hmm. it's free are you right. gonna do k-cups for yes Tim those are currently in production k-cups cool. so we're the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna order like a thousand for us here and they're gonna be just like unlabeled just so that we can have them so we can drink them because i want to have my coffee in the morning but uh k-cups are in production cool and we're we're uh i was adamant that we we make biodegradable yes thank you sir however that is gonna have to probably be the next batch after the first one because they're not quite at production capability yet cool but uh, i'm really excited for that i, I wouldn't want to do k-cups if if the future of it was just making more plastic garbage yeah but uh, and also i don't like eating the plastic so you know but oh, the yeah, biodegradable ones are made of like corn protein or something so they break down all right glenn 1833 says a focus microwave or emp burst defense gun yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, um, microwaves will scramble the signal, but people, uh, and if you can heat it up, you can knock it out of the sky, short it out. So you need a lot of power. Uh, scrambling the signal, I mean to say, isn't enough because these things are pre-programmed. You don't, it doesn't need remote control. It, it knows where it's going. Goldilocks Production says Israel's Iron Dome can take out hundreds of rockets at one time. If it can take out multiple near supersonic rockets at one time with an almost 97% accuracy rate, it can handle hundreds of drones. I disagree. We're talking about small drones the size of your fist carrying an explosive payload, and we're talking about thousands and even hundreds. They're going to be flying low and over buildings. They're not going to be able to be shot out of the sky. And they might be flying straight down, too. But they're not going to come from way up high. They're going to be on the ground. They're going to jump over walls and go to their targets. What do you think? I, 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 you know, I'd be, I'd be, I'd, you don't want to give I, your expertise. Yeah, I think I'd have more expertise on a the uh, incestuous chickens and uh, your chicken man and, and some of the other exotic subjects we've covered. Fair enough. Chickens are good people. You know, they just uh, they do chicken stuff. Purple says, "God bless everyone here. We're all here because we want to be better. Stay confident and believe in yourself. Hard times won't last forever. Evil is real, but we don't have to let it to, into our body and mind. Always remember, Jesus loves you." Look, I, I think the night is always darkest before the dawn. The bad things that are happening are not the apocalypse. Humans have faced great struggles, and the struggles make us stronger. So if weak men make hard times, we are in those hard times, but never forget those hard times will make strong men. So after we pull through this, everything's going to get a whole lot better. 
That's the, uh, the fourth turning. We're in the fourth turning now. The next season will be spring. And then we're going to see 60 years of prosperity and then 20 years of calamity. But this is what I was asking you earlier. I was saying, do, do, you, do you regard that the American enterprise is foreordained to success that, that, is, that will always elude the Chinese enterprise? But, and you but, sound, but, now you sound more optimistic. But China is going to go through a similar thing, right? They, 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 their moral bankruptcy will lead to, it's, it's, as the saying goes, strong, uh, uh, strong men make good times, good times make weak men, weak men make hard times, hard times make mm-hmm. strong men. It's, everyone's going to go through that. So I think the planet will just be changing. I think the U.S. is set for a hard fall. We'll probably lose superpower status. I can't see how we maintain it with the petrodollar already. In, in how will we know when we have lost superpower status? What will be the... When your laptop unmistakable clue. When all the you'll you'll want to buy a laptop and it'll cost you seven thousand dollars. Or I think when American military bases start getting taken over in their in their native countries and then especially you know bad. But I think the first thing we'll start seeing is imports will become exorbitantly expensive because the petrodollar will just be weak and the U.S. won't be exporting anything. And then it's going to become harder to come by certain goods. We'll start seeing serious inflation. China will move on Taiwan and will shrug. Things like that will start happening. But uh, grains of sand making a heap. Uh, you won't recognize the history until the history's passed. Mm-hmm. We could be in World War III right now, and we won't know until 50 years afterwards when the historians say, well, we believe it started on it's this like, date. Well, it's like a recession. Yes. Right. Yeah. You got to be in it before you know you're in it. Let's grab some more super chats. Dimsum Nimsum says the drone attack seems as incompetent as the Ukrainian attack with the fighter missile in 2014. Maybe both were CIA. Yeah, it just went right down at the gentle angle, right into above the flag, and then just blew up right there. It's a I nice think it was photo taken op. out, though. Yeah, yeah, that's what the Kremlin said. They took took it out. Did they, they take they, it out they right it. in where they wanted to take it out, so they made it look like it was attacking, but it was they just being brought down. They didn't give us that many details, I have to say. It's just such a cheap attempt. It looks so cheap. Staged. Yeah. OMG Puppy says, Russia has a system called the Dead Hand that will automatically launch a second strike, even if we vaporize Moscow. And I, I believe that exists. Um, what I'm saying is that nuclear war isn't the apex. So when people talk about nuclear war, mutually assured destruction, what, what people need to understand about that is it's referring to the very end of the nuclear war, not the beginning and mm-hmm. middle of it. Most people, when I talk to them about mutually assured destruction, they, so this is how it comes up. I say, you know, I think Putin will use nukes. No, he won't because of mutually assured destruction. I'm like, dude, the start of the war is not Putin being like, blow up New York. And then we fire back. It's him being like, tactical nuclear artillery wipe out Kiev and then us being like, I don't want to sacrifice my capital for for Ukraine. So what do we do? Let's send in troops. Let's declare war. But it's not going to immediately be ICBMs flying all over the place. And to your point, uh, when the Soviets installed uh, nuclear missiles on Cuba, precipitating the Cuban Missile Crisis, people forget this. They also sent 40,000 Russian personnel, Mm -hmm. Soviet personnel to Cuba to to build. They had to build roads. It was crazy. But the point being that, as you say, it's not just there's a there's a missile flying through the air and suddenly we're in nuclear war. The the machinations that are necessary just to launch one nuclear missile are fairly elaborate and detectable. Mm-hmm. So that we would have more warning than just the, the radar system telling it doesn't suddenly happen that the projectile is in the air. Kalashnikov says, Tim, you should make Matt Walsh watch Attack on Titan or Psychopaths, then see if he holds the same ignorant opinions that all anime is demonic. Does he really believe that? 
I mean, I, I don't know. I, my guess is that he likes to troll mixed in with with his right. Like he's being he's being somewhat facetious wisdom. when he says it's all demonic. He's just trying to get a rise, but he thinks much, a lot of it is. I do think there's a lot of really bad anime, but that's also like saying we got bad cartoons in the United States too. Also, if he does and you don't agree, like that's fine, isn't it? Well, but he's Are, wrong. Okay, sure. And, and he's, but not, like, he's not allowed to have bad opinions. That's true. <laughs> like most of his opinions he are actually pretty good. He should know better. I th- exactly. I went through phases Matt, where I Matt thought... Matt Walsh is based. Therefore, I am disappointed to hear that he doesn't like anime. I, I went through a phase... he can't disagree with anyone. He has to have the correct opinion it's true. always. I thought that entertainment and alcohol were like the devil or demon. And mm-hmm. But then I realized I was extremely egotistical in that time. And that like a balance of these things is, yeah. is part of the nature. Yeah, for sure. Do you Kiabo, have Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm going to read some more. Gabo Bandit says, sitting in the ER with an eye patch on and I still wouldn't miss the show even if I'm 20 minutes behind. Keep up the good work, folks. Wow. Hmm. Hope you're okay. Heal up. What if he's just hanging out there, though? He's fine. He just went to the ER and hung out. And wearing an eye patch because it looks cool. He's just living his life. (laughs) Or maybe just after he hit send on that message, he was subjected to gross medical malpractice and he's not even with us anymore. I hate to bring up those kinds of... And we're the dark ones? Come on, sir. (laughs) It's the grim cast. David Toronto says, sorry, I'm against all drag now. Look what people accepting has led to. It's give an inch, take a mile. I'm done giving. Nope. Well, that's 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 where we're at. Hyperpolarization. I'm going to wear a dress on the show just to do it to you. <laughs> I suppose the, the the challenge is, you know, when Jordan Peterson talks about social enforcement, there was shared morality on what the parameters were, what, what, what we should and should not do. And we got to the point where liberals won, live and let live. Anyone can do whatever they want. But if anyone can do whatever they want, you now have to explain to a child why it is that someone is doing something in public, which leads to the expansion of whatever these things are, and that's that's where we're at. Joe Spinella said the Navy just asked Bud Light to hold their beer. <laughs> Quite literally, they were like, hey, you want some Bud they're Light? Gonna, they're going to be the new uh, Bud Light partner, the Navy. <laughs> it's not going to get better. Rebecca Carne, is that what it says? Carn? I did five years as a corpsman in the Navy. This drag, trans, and other stuff makes me glad I'm not in anymore. Also, active duty members can protest, but not in uniform or state their active duty. Interesting. I just don't understand why Bud Light didn't make Dylan Mulvaney the face of their seltzer, which they are constantly trying to say. Like, no one would have, have cared. A seltzer. No one would have cared. <laughs> this whole thing would have been avoided, and then suddenly Bud Light seltzer would have had sort of this this brand era that they're apparently trying to use to connect with the youth. Speaking of, did the marketing uh, VP get her job back? I haven't been following. She's up. still on leave, but I don't know if that means she's coming back, which I bet she is one day. Kyle Miller says, Tim, as someone who works in disaster recovery, there is no recovery plan for if a civil event was to happen, we would be stagnant for decades. A civil event, like war in the United States or something? Or like a breakdown. Well, we have a presidential directive 51, which the president can just create a new government and erase the old one by signing a paper. Yeah, good luck with that president. It, and it will happen. They'll, maybe on the federal level, but states are like in control. Yeah, no, the blue states would say, okay, outright. Maybe. And then it'd be really interesting after that. Probably yeah. only Florida and South Dakota would say no. I could see it as like a defensive maneuver, but, you know. I mean, local, people people need to rights. read more about the Civil War because there were slave states that were like, we disagree with what's going on, but we really don't want to go to war. Dude, I was just in Harper's Ferry yesterday or two days ago. My God, that, it was 180 years ago and they were just burning the city to the ground. That I mean, that's a very crazy story. recent. Mm-hmm. The story of Harper's Ferry. The biggest mistake John Brown made was he let the train leave. He, John Brown said slavery is an act of war. Slavery, slavery is an act of war. That's a quote from John Brown. Yeah, John Brown was notorious for just him and his kids going and killing people. Crazy guy. And they claim he's a hero. I mean, I, 
at least assigned it in, in Harper's Ferry. Is it was and because hero? of him, we have done the righteous thing and now we have no slavery in the country. I mean, he failed. Like, he, he, he everything he did but was a failure. But he tried really hard. So we should give him some credit. He did kill people. Credit. But he took the armory and then failed. And the slaves that were here were like, we don't want to be involved in what you're doing, man. And mm-hmm. he was like, uh-oh. And then they came and they, they hung him. Yeah. Hanged him. Sorry, hanged him. Uh-oh. Legamathagayan says, Ian, how can you be so full of such illiterate fury and passion about things you barely comprehend? On even a semantic level, I beg you with tears in my eyes to never describe yourself as becoming Jewish ever again. But it's true. Shalom, Aki. Oh, shalom to you, man. No, Are I'm not converting? actually. No, no, no. I'm just getting in touch with God without the middleman. Okay. Well, all right. Where are we at? Dorian Marius Grace says, if Luke was there, he would remind him that no politician is coming to save you. Why you are putting so much faith in Trump as the savior of the world? I'm not. I'm saying the only thing that has a potential to actually purge the corruption in this in this government is probably Trump. But I didn't say that was going to save anybody. I said it is going to get worse. We are going to fall off as a global superpower, whether Trump does anything or not. Trump will just kind of bring back some some uh, some seed of stabilization after he's gone. We'll see, though, man. I'm, I don't know. I'm not psychic. I'm not not like that Nostradamus guy who just happened to know everything, right? No, you have internet video, so you're able to convince people. You don't just have to just make predictions no. in your basement. Matt Walsh always has to have the right opinion, and you have to know everything ahead of time. You I know, thought this was the agreement you guys made with the internet. <laughs> in 2007, I was obsessed with ending the, the liberal economic order. Not ending it, but I was like, oh, this whole American military base all over Earth is horrible. Let's stop it. And everyone agreed like that knew about it, but now we're actually watching it happen, and it's like, uh... What's the alternative? We got a, we got an important one here. Uh, Michelle Therese says, Tim and crew, great show and great guest. James, check out the Genovese documentary made by Kitty's brother, mm. where he debunks the story that no one came to Kitty's aid. People did call the police and stayed with her while waiting for the ambulance. That's not how it was taught, but I will check it out. Oh. I wonder what uh, platform I can see that documentary. I don't trust the media, so I mean, yeah. I, I hear that and I'm like, all right, you know, I'll consider uh, it. Like, Present company to, excluded, of course. So right. quote Anthony I mean, Blinken today, too. take it with a large shaker of salt. A large uh, shaker. shaker. That was what he said yeah, in response yeah. to the uh, Ukraine theoretical assassination attempt. Just to make a point too, the 9-11 or 9-11, 9-1-1 wasn't a thing in New York up until four years after that. They actually mm-hmm. used that case to make a point for having 9-1-1 mm-hmm. in the city. So just to know. Scary Terry says the Discord should vote on the Roberto Jr. successor. Roberto Jr. is we're going to build him do like we, something special. Like do we bionic have to, chicken? Yeah. Well, I actually wanted a 3D print chicken armor. And one thing I wanted to consider was, can we put together some kind of carbon fiber uh, wing extensions to allow the chickens to fly better? <laughs> I think it can be done. Like I think an aerogel, graphene aerogel, something threaded. Is it strong enough? Uh, it's super lightweight. I if, don't you know. do, if you do an aerogel with carbon fiber strands going through it to give it s- structural support, stability, then it... It probably would work. Is the is the aer- but is, aerogel would be, would be brittle, isn't it? it yeah, but break. when it's mixed with other things, you can become very strong. Like there's a stuff called airloy. It's a it's mm. an aerogel com- compound that you can hit with a hammer and tr- machine it and stuff. I want to I want to I want to do like a helmet and body armor for the chickens. And one thing I really want to make for uh, Bocus is imagine we gave him a wing suit like a backpack. Bocus is our cat. So when he jumps, the wings deploy and he glides, and when he lands, they retract. Mm-hmm. So long as his feet are out, the wings 
come you, out. You can buy all of this stuff at Acme.com, right? It's just that they have bad testimonials from one coyote who had apparently bad experiences with their I, products, I just but. think the world would be greatly improved if we made wingsuits for cats. I think it could be interesting. Yeah, Birds what, would what probably not wrong? like it. Yeah. I, I, I want to know, a fish read out of the, the successor question. Do the candidates have to make promotional videos that are then shared on Discord? You know, that way you really get to know them. They can say what their policies are, what they would it, be in favor of. We might, it might be one of the silkies um, because then we'll have soft, fluffy chickens. I like that. But mm -hmm. um, maybe a little Luke because he's got a cool haircut. In yeah. my mind, because the Silkies live in a coop inside the coop, or at least they did for so long, yeah, they, they are do. more scared. So it's hard for me to imagine one of them taking the, over this, this they have job of leading the, the chicken the army. Oh yeah, and it makes them more vulnerable to attack, right? So if so we, again, hard to imagine them being installed no, the as the rightful fine. leader. The rooster's fine. Oh, okay. You can't have two roosters, one with a domed head, one with not. So little Luke has a domed head. So if he gets pecked in the head, he'll get a concussion and die. But uh, if he's the only rooster, he's got nothing to worry about. So, but, but little Luke's feet are also like messed up. So we're not even sure he'll be able to properly, you know, I like, I like handle the ladies. He's like the, the, uh, the crippled son of some sort of monarch who's like got this chance oh, like at the Joffrey? throne. Sure. Yeah. Like he's got, got a chance. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Oh, you should you know, we, watch we, it. It's we amazing. The first do, season's uh, incredible. Dude. We wanted to do, uh, Sarah's son, um, Isaac, but he's too big. Because he's a Brahma, hmm. and so he's gonna hurt the the ladies. He's just a, he's massive. So, do you guys think that people consider installing politicians this in such detail as we do with the chicken? Like his domed head makes him vulnerable. <laughs> he's just too big. It's just not okay. <laughs> I don't know about Biden. His domed head. All right, everybody. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and become a member by going to timcast.com and clicking join us where you can hang out in the Discord server with like-minded individuals, submit questions, and even call in to our members-only after show, which will be live in about 10 minutes on the front page of TimCast.com. This one is, uh, once again, probably not so family-friendly, so you don't want to miss it. Again, TimCast.com. You can follow the show at TimCastIRL. You can follow me personally at TimCast. And guess what? TimCast News on Twitter has now a gold verification badge, which is very good news. And then the people who work at TimCast get a little TimCast thing next to their name because Twitter is doing good stuff. So, uh... Yeah, do that. And uh, James, you want to shout anything out? Just, it was great to be with you all. Once again, I'm James Rosen. I cover the White House for Newsmax. You could see my work on Newsmax. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at James Rosen TV. And I am the author of a new book, Scalia, Rise to Greatness, 1936 to 1986. First volume of a two-volume biography of someone who is really one of the most important Americans of the last hundred years, Antonin Scalia. And it's right. out now? It is. Cool. I'm here. I got a, uh, sorry. I got a question for you right when we start the members only show that everybody wants to hear. But uh, we'll, we'll, okay. we'll save it. Okay. About Scalia. Ah. I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. I am very newly verified on Twitter. So if you want to follow me there, I'm uh, at HC Brimlow. I'm HannahClaire.B on Instagram. And more importantly, you should follow at TimCastNews on Twitter and Instagram. You can read stuff from me, from Chris Bertman, from Adrian Norman, all of our journalists there. It's really, uh, to me, the best part of the website. And yeah, thanks so much for uh, tuning in tonight. Thank you, Hannah Claire. I'm Ian Crossland. You guys can follow me at iancrossland.net. Subscribe to me on YouTube at Ian Crossland. Twitter, follow me there at Ian Crossland. James, what a night. Raucous, quite an event. And tell me again, you've told me before, before the record, your favorite Beatles album. Yeah, this is this is so dirty of, on your part. You know that I that I reject the any true Beatles freak rejects the whole who's your favorite Beatle, favorite Beatles song, favorite Beatle album. Now I do, John, I do. All right, just be, just come on, just come out. I do have a favorite solo Beatle. That's permissible. 
Okay, but mm. not a favorite Beatle. Who's favorite well, let's 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 well, the what surge. It, it was a utilitarian response. Yeah. The White Album. It's the longest album. I'm not going to stick you to it. If forced to choose, if forced to choose, one chooses the White Album. It's a lot of it's good. It's the only double album. Good yeah. meat. People should come. Surge is also here tonight. pressing buttons. Mine's Revolver. <laughs> yeah, I'm just soul. watching. What's up, guys? It's Surge.com. Uh, ready for the after show? Let's go. All right, everybody. We'll see you all over at TimCast.com in about ten minutes. Thanks for hanging out. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.